right, Stephen, we're going to try this again. Live <laughs> rounds, episode one. Um, whoever was tuning in last week noticed that we were going in and out and there was issues with YouTube and we had constant buffering issues and all that other stuff. So hopefully we don't deal with any of that tonight. And man, do we have a lot to talk about. There's been so, uh, so much news, even just the past two days since our attempted stream. Um, a lot of stuff has happened. So, yes. How are you tonight, sir? I'm doing good. We good. Doing good, dude. That's what I meant to say. I just watched a uh, whole episode of Impact over on the Twitch Fightful channel. So that was fun. It was a good episode. Um, went out today, hit some golf balls with my dad. So that was a good time. And uh, it will be 19 years uh, that my mother passed away this weekend. So wow. um, me and my me and my dad went to her grave site today. It's like right up the street from where I live. So I go fairly often, but me and him went today. So <clears throat> it was a really good day, man. Went and hit golf ball, spent some time with my dad, went and saw my mom. Um, so yeah, can't complain, dude. Then a lot of wrestling tonight and I'll watch, I'll probably watch Dark Side right after this. And yeah. then and that'll probably bring me right into episode nine of uh, Game Changers. So well, good night. Yeah. I don't think you're ready for that show to, to end. One more episode after this week, man. So I know. And then I don't know what it's looking like for a renewal. What's up, John? Thanks for coming in. I don't know what it's like for like a renewal and if they're going to do a season two and all that jazz. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, I hope they want to be able to season two or a, a follow-up movie or something. Like, I think it would have been awesome if they were able to get all the people like, you know, I know COVID uh, restrictions, you know, mess some of the plans up for the show. Yeah. But if they made like episode 10 D four or something, like I would mark out so hard. It's just like the last one's the movie, like finally just like do a movie. But anyway, that's a whole another, a whole other thing, but I'll, I'll watch yeah, that. For sure. Yeah. For I'm, sure. I'm, I'm happy with the show though. So. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been pretty solid. I just don't know like success wise, like streaming numbers and if there's good enough for season two and all that. But I mean, I, I thought the show's been pretty solid. So hopefully it gets a second season. Yeah. Um, so, man, like, where do you even want to start? I guess we'll start with the the main topic, um, and that's AEW Dynamite moving to TBS in 2022. That's AEW also um, getting another hour show called Rampage, which, I mean, I just can't help but, you know, think of Quentin Rampage, yeah. Jackson, whatever, here, Rampage. So that's going to take a little bit to get used to. Uh, but overall, another hour I'm not, I'm just not really sure it's needed and what the path of the show is. Like I said, like, is it just dark? Is it, and then, if, okay, if you're at the live event, right, usually the way it worked was is you got two hours of the dynamite and then they did another hour after the show of uh, dark. So is that going to be rampage? Like that's, that's something that I'm not sure what their plans are there. Have you heard anything? I honestly haven't really looked into it. I, 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 <coughs> I mean, maybe that's something, something I'll do because that's going to be an hour right after SmackDown, right? I think it's going to be 10 p.m. Eastern yeah. Friday nights. Yeah. So it would make sense, though, if they turned that into what they filmed for either before or after Dynamite. Something like that. That's like what WCW just, used to do with Worldwide. Like, you're going to have... 
I just feel like you're going to have to bring big names for that show. I just don't see how you can do, you know, the tryout guys and the, the lower indie guys that you don't use on dynamite and expect people to tune in on a Friday night to watch that. Like, I feel like you have to be like, okay, Kenny Omega is going to defend his title this Friday night, you know, against somebody legit. Like, I feel like you're going to have to have belts defended. You're going to have to have big names. Like to me, it just doesn't seem like, um, it would be the best idea to do dark on like TNT. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, they have, this doesn't start until what? 2022 beginning of the year. So no rampage starts August. Oh, but then they moved to TBS on in 2022. Yeah. Okay. Like rampage starts in like two months. Yeah. Surely they'll bring big names that that won't be, I don't think that's going to be like dark, but I think that'll no. be like, yeah, that'll be real. Yeah. They're real stars. Yeah. My question is, though, is then how do you do dark? Like, it, if you buy a ticket to Dynamite, are you getting a five-hour show? Like, that that's where I'm yeah. questioning how they do things. I don't know. I mean, they always could just use Daly's place whenever they want. You know what I mean? Kind of like the Impact Zone. They could have their own tapings there all they want. Or, like, the Performance Center or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, they could really just yeah. tape wherever... That's true. You just have to be able to bring fans in too. I would think, I don't think you want to do it without fans. So I don't know. It's just interesting how it's just a lot. And I don't know if necessarily it's merited yet. Like I, I love the idea of them going to TBS just for the main reason of like, you don't have to switch things up because of the NBA or the NHL or anything like that. You have your own time slot Wednesday nights. That's what it will be. At this certain at this certain time, and that's it. You don't have to worry about. Um, oh man, I hope I hope this doesn't go to a game seven. Otherwise, we're screwed, and we have to go on a Friday or anything like that. And I love the idea of four big shows on TNT, which will feel like a pay per view. Yes, because that really gives us almost like eight pay per view type shows. And I think that that's that's awesome. And I think they need that because it just gives them more focus to get to the next big show, the buildup, all that. And whenever they don't have that and you only have four pay-per-views, I feel like kind of some of the booking is just scattered and it's all over the place. Yeah. So I, I tweeted about this yesterday. I think that like, so some people I think see dynamite moving from TNT to TBS as a demotion. Yeah. But, I don't at all. Like I right. loved, I loved wrestling on TBS growing up. Like, yeah. I mean, the show that got me hooked into wrestling is WCW Saturday Night. Like that was the WCW show that was before Nitro started. That was like, and then they would do you know Clash of Champions, which is basically what the four yearly uh, TNT specials are going to feel like. Is going to be like Clash of the Champions type shows. So, yeah. <clears throat> so I'm excited for it. I mean, the. TBS is meant for pro wrestling. Like back in the day, and I say the day, I mean, it really has been over 20 it years. It has been back in the year. day. Um, yeah. But like, I remember when TBS, it was all about WCW wrestling, Braves baseball, and you got like Saved yeah. by the Bell reruns. Like that's like, that was the channel. And I think there's still a big audience for that. I think there are people that may, might still not be watching Dynamite on TNT that find out there's wrestling on TBS again, that were WCW fans and they come back to check it out. 
Like, I think there's a possibility that there are some fans that you might get back just by being on T. And there's more people who can watch TBS than TNT also. I think one thing, too, I think just people in their minds, they just view Nitro as on TNT. And so right. they just immediately, if you if Nitro would switch, they'd take it as a demotion. So they feel the same way with this. But it's a lot different now. Yeah. And uh, I, I, to me, another thing, too, is it's not like it's going to a completely different broadcast company, right? Like, they're right. still in the same house. They're still going to be able to promote. They're still going to be able to put over the company on each channel. Like, it it works fine, in my opinion. And yeah. to me, it's just, I, like I've been saying, like, AEW is about to hit the freaking ground running. Like, the crowds are coming back. The shows are about to be more important. You're going to start to see pay-per-views again with, with full crowds. Like It's going to really start to kick off. And the more that they're able to put out their product and get more eyeballs on it, I think it's really going to work. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Brandon, what's up? What's up, guys? Um, so, yeah, I, I think that uh, – I just think it's a good move overall. And like, like I said too, it's like, how does it, how is it a bad move when they're now on a channel where they don't have to switch anything and they can right. just be themselves, right? They get four more shows on TNT big shows that it sounds like TNT is paying for. It sounds like TNT is paying for each individual show as a live event type pay-per-view to be put on their network. So then so we get basically eight pay-per-view quality shows for the year instead of four. And it just seems like to me, and no, they got more money. They got more money. They renegotiated their deal and they got more money out of this thing. So I just don't see how this is a bad thing. I think people would love to point out that it's a bad thing and they're stuck in all the negativity and stuff. But I really think this is a solid thing. It's good for AEW. It's good for pro wrestling. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying that I'm shocked by how bad NXT is doing with the switch, but I'm a little surprised. I didn't expect them to take almost this big of a hit to where they have no competition and they're getting the exact same ratings, if not sometimes lower. And I mean, I'm not shocked, though, because their their show is not good, right? Like, to me, they have lost their edge. They have lost the ability to be that alternative. They feel very corporate now to me. And not only that, their roster is just not um, that exciting. And they've been used for so long. I mean, how long has Adam Cole been there now? How long has Kyle O'Reilly been there now? Whoa, like, whoa, 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 whoa. Cool Kyle. Whatever. Cool Kyle. Um, That's my point, though, right? Like, Yeah, I mean, no, I get it. Like, it. It's just such a stale... And, and, and like, if, 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 if Finn beats uh, Cross, then it's going to be Finn and Adam Cole, or Finn and Cool Kyle, or Cross beats them, then Cross is probably going to face Cool Kyle. And, like, <laughs> They're just going to rotate. And this thing is just, to me, it, it there's just nothing that excites me about NXT. Your, your boy Bronson Reed just won the NXT North American title last night, too. So, <sighs> Yeah, exactly. That's my point. And, yeah. I, and people are just like, it's amazing. It's awesome. No, it's not. 
It's not. It's not very good at all. And this is my thing, too, about Dynamite, right? Like, on paper, that show did not look very good. But it didn't matter because they'll just go out there and deliver. That's what they do. They have these great promos. That they have uh, great storytelling, character development, the whole nine. And you, you, you understand why guys are wrestling each other. There's explanations behind things. There's buildup behind things. And it just doesn't seem just like thrown together, you know, especially when they're heading towards a pay-per-view. Like, I, I feel like they do a good <laughs> job of building up their pay-per-views. Yeah. What Maneev says is true. But that used to be really true before AEW existed. Like now, yeah. Now I'd much rather see somebody sign with AEW than sign with NXT. Like when NXT 100%. was the only when NXT was like the super indie when they were basically they were basically competing with Ring of Honor. For being honest, like that's pretty much what they were doing when they. And not like, only that, by doing that, they were crushing Ring of Honor. Oh yeah, like, for sure. They were destroying Ring of Honor, and they. Like, no matter if you didn't want to go that corporate route for the WWE, you had no choice because their product was so good. Takeovers were amazing. Their rosters were loaded. They had unbelievable production, the whole nine. And not only that, something that I think is a huge part of this that they've decided to go back on is they didn't make guys change their names. Now they're going back and they're changing all their names, all the credibility that they built in the indies, and they're making these guys start from scratch. And it's garbage. Yeah. I mean, I was a huge NXT fan up until pretty much up until AEW started. You know what I mean? And then then there's like the there's been a clear I mean, like I said, I, I really I've only been watching takeovers since probably the last I don't know, probably the last six months or so, pretty much only takeovers. Um, and those yeah. have been delivering, you know, like those have been good shows. They're those, I think if you're a wrestling fan, it's still worth going out of your way to watch TakeOver. But, yeah. but like, yeah, I just can't get interested. Like, I think there's a lot of good talent there still. Like, I think Cameron Grimes, like, I think he's really good. Like, there's a lot of guys that are, like, in the in the system. Um, I think MSK is really good, you know. And, of course, the guys we always talk about, like, Kyle and, and Adam Cole and all those guys. But, like, then you, you know, someone like me doesn't watch the show for weeks and then you're on Twitter one day and you realize, you know, now he's called Cool Kyle. And you're like, this sounds very, very WWE to me. Like, I don't think that he would have ever called himself Cool Kyle on the indies. Like, I yeah. like this, you know, I like it, it. You start getting that heavy WWE influence in, in this stuff. And it's. Well, it's like what, what pisses me off is it's because he did this with the title and he was like over the top in some of his entrances. And they watch that and they're like, oh, that's what he's going to be as a single right. star. Yeah. And it takes away all the fun, all the natural part of that. And now it's this corporate gimmick, garbage, stupid crap that they've come up with. And it, it, it just drives me crazy. Like it, it's not that hard and you, you were doing things right. And now you're just going completely backwards. And like I said, why is Ricochet there? Why is Aleister Black in the WWE? Why can't they just put them back in NXT? If you really cared about NXT and their product and wanting it to grow and all that other stuff and not just be a developmental, then you would do stuff like that. But it's almost like they've embraced it. It's a developmental again, but it's like an inside joke that the main roster guys on NXT, like your Adam Coles and stuff, aren't don't get it right like they're keep being told like oh yeah i know it's a third brand it's a third brand but it really isn't 
Like at the end of the day, they don't treat it like a third brand anymore. And they really treat this thing like it's their stepchild. Yeah. Well, and to answer your question about like, why do I think the guys like Aleister Black and Ricochet, these kind of guys, like, why are they just not in NXT? It's because I think Vince McMahon thinks they look really good getting their, getting their ass kicked by guys like Braun Strowman, you know? Like that's that's why they're on the main roster. Like once you once you are out of favor with certain people in that company, like the real decision makers there, yeah, you're you're done. Like yeah, like you're never. I mean, they could lend Ricochet back to NXT and maybe he could kind of resurrect his career. But what's Vince care about that? Like he found another guy to to flip all over the place to get over his next big guy. You know, like that's yeah. all he is now. So. Yeah. That's what Mustafa Ali is going to be. That's what uh, Wes Blake, Wesley Blake is going to be. That's what all, all these guys that y'all like that can really go in the ring and have a ton of talent. They are fodder. They are they are bump bump uh, bodies for the real the real stars that Vince McMahon is trying to create. So, let's see, let's keep yeah, like, the question. Like when uh, I'm going to be honest, when they released Velveteen Dream today, I was waiting to see if Keith Lee got released today. Like. I know that they keep saying there's health issues and all that stuff, but I really feel like he's close to getting released. I really do. Yeah. And I don't want to speculate too much on that because I don't know that. I don't yeah, know yeah. what's going on with Keith Lee, but like um, the Velocity is thing. Mm-hmm. Here's my thing. One thing though, you don't put every single piece of merchandise of a guy and put it on clearance. No, I know. Unless yeah. you're releasing them. Like, that's always been the case. And if you go to clearance right now in WWE shop, every Keith Lee shirt is on clearance. Yeah. Yeah. And I there's mean, a lot of cryptic messages. There's a lot of things that are going on. Like, I feel like that they are going to release him. I feel like there's a good chance of that. And I'll just say, just for the record, the Velatine thing, not surprising at all. Like, I no. mean, you know, and that's one of those where I haven't looked super into it, but the little bit that I have, like, I personally don't have an issue with him getting let go. Um, I'm never one. I'm never one to like, you know, and I'm very against cancel culture, you know, but, but I like, there seems to be enough evidence that direction that it's like, yeah, that's probably a safe enough. Like let's not, let's not. And even, and even the stuff that he was accused of beyond that, apparently there's this whole other list of things like mm-hmm. just, just hard to work with giant asshole in real life. Like, there's other reasons to get rid of him, even even beyond all the accusations. But add the accusations onto the already existing, like already like could get fired list. Like that guy had to go. Um, yeah. So I don't. To, and me, I don't, to me, it's not a. It's not a. Oh, you know, this is BS. He should. It, it's just sad to me, man. It's just like a, a a wrestling tragedy to me that like that guy was so over. Like I remember going to uh, Supercard of Honor, and people were going to take over New Orleans. Right? There was a lot of Velveteen Dream shirts. You know what I mean? It was there. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of Velveteen Dream <laughs> shirts. There was a lot of buzz about Velveteen Dream. I was at the War Games where he faced Aleister Black yep. at Takeover, and the whole "Say My Name." Um, he just had something different that fit that WWE entertainment, but also could go in the ring. And he was really into his character so much. So to the point to where I think some of his issues were stuff that helped his character. And I, I just, uh, my, my biggest 
thing is, is he's young, right? He came from an adoption center. Like he's had a hard life. I just, I just have a hard time with the fact that his career is probably over. Like, I yes, mean, I think he did. did. It totally depends I, on what he did. And that's, I agree. That's but, the, but, but, but I don't know about that anymore, Stephen, because now it's really just about what you're accused of and not what you did. Yes, but you also don't have to be you don't also have to be charged with anything to get fired from a job either. Like no, there, could sure. be a, there could be a whole list of reasons he got let go that don't even have to do with those accusations. But, but my thing is like, I'll, I can, might be able to forgive him for that list of stuff one day, but if it's, but if the stuff that he was accused of, he did do, and that has to do with this, like then that's a totally different conversation. Cause like, that's a guy I don't want to see involved. If like he actually yeah. was doing that shit. You know? But I mean, at some point, like people do terrible stuff. They go to prison and then they redeem themselves. And we'll talk about Nick Gage, sure. you know, for example. Yeah. So that's my thing with him. It's like, I, I just, I just don't know such a young guy. This career is already over. And I, and I don't know if that's necessarily the right path, but I think that that dude needs some serious counseling, some serious help a serious redemption tour, whether it's a bunch of interviews with Chris Van Fleet and a whole bunch of other people talking about how much he screwed up and what he needs to do. But it's going to take years before we see Patrick Velveteen Dream anywhere near a wrestling ring, in my opinion. Unless, unless once again, if he gets proven innocent, it, like maybe he has a chance. But like, it, I really, like I know someone who met him back in, actually in New Orleans, and said yeah. that he was the biggest asshole he's ever talked to, like like wrestling or not. He was like a fan of the guy. Within one conversation, he was like, "Screw this dude, I'm not a fan anymore." Like he basically, well, I heard he basically too, he like seriously in character the entire time. The guy never broke kayfabe if you were around him, even when they did interviews. Yeah, but I don't. It wasn't like it wasn't like him being in character. Apparently it was him. Like my buddy basically telling him like he was a fan and him telling him like to go F himself basically. Like, but it was, I mean, MJF would do the same thing. Though. He's the one guy who can get away with it though. Cause you're expecting that when you walk up to him with, with, with anyone else that like you're, especially if you're in the WWE, you're, you're, you're not expecting to basically be told to go F yourself just by like, at, just by telling someone you're a fan, like you run into one of your yeah. favorite wrestlers and you're like, Hey man, like I'm a, I'm a big fan. He's like, get out of my way. It's like, I've never, really? I've never understood the heel um, that hates his fans. I just don't think that that works. Even the MJF, in my opinion, I think MJF would be even bigger if he embraced the people that loved him because there are people, no matter what ruler or conqueror or whatever that you've dealt with, they will always embrace the people that love them and then they will hate the people that hate him. And so like, to me, it's like if somebody buys your shirt and all this other stuff and shows you mad love, like I feel like that you should be like, well, finally we have a smart one here. Someone that actually understands, you know, who, what great wrestling is or something like that. Instead of just being like, yeah, you suck. You're an idiot. You disgust me. Go away. Like, I don't necessarily know if that's the best approach sometimes, yeah. but it, it, it works for MJF in my opinion, because he's one of the only ones that does it. So he gets away with it. I feel like if you had a roster full of like 15 guys that did that, that would be a disaster. Well, I don't think most of them would be able to stay as committed as MJF does. Oh, man. Like you like, I think too many of them would break like, like it didn't be like, I'm going too far. Like I got to apologize. But it's like, <laughs> even when I met him, 
like he's cracking it up with the security, like right. in between sessions of being a jerk to people. So you see the real him just joking around and then he just immediately goes into character the moment you approach him. So, right. I mean, you can definitely tell that there's a difference there, but, and from what I understand too, like he's kind of a softy actually, like uh, they said like he broke down almost when he saw his action figure and like, it, it's not everything that you think he is. And then, but yet they are adamant like, Oh yeah, he's a real, he's a real asshole yeah. in real life. Like they keep saying that. And I have a feeling like that that's them just completely BSing and he's a totally nice guy. I I've, there was, I don't want to like name names, but there was a, they make a long story short. I know somebody who drove in the same car as MJF. It was two people I knew that were working on a wrestling show that he was booked on. So like they were driving him basically to the airport. And, and I asked them afterwards, like what he was like, because he was just regular people. Like they were kind of wrestling fans, but they were more like production people. And they said MJF was like the nicest dude in the world. Like he did. He like, yeah, like it was like, how I, dare I, you? Yeah, no. And, and he, they, they said there's little elements of him, like for real, where he kind of is a little bit snobby, but like, it yeah. isn't, it isn't like he's actually, and I've also seen at least three or four shoot interviews where he's completely out of character for like two, three hours at a time. So like, I know who he really is. And this actually makes it even more impressive because he talks about how he really is like a very shy, like he gets really nervous before he goes out in the crowd. So like, it does this. Yep. Cause he know, like he knows what he's doing is messed up, but nobody else is doing it. So like, that's how he stands out. So like, yeah. I mean, so he, like he totally gets it. Like he, yeah. Anyways. So that's wild. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's crazy because like it was just like news after news after news, and uh, man, to me, NXT sounds like also has kind of been pretty toxic lately. Like, there's been a lot of stuff going on there that like has just been drama filled, and like it, it seems like that they're trying to like clean that up. So I guess good for them. Um, see, this is what I'm talking about, Peter. I yeah, I knew before you pulled it up, Peter. What's up, man? I've been doing this thing for like three months. Where you been? Three months straight, every week. Yeah, Peter. Uh, I'm the new Bill, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. Like, we're doing something totally different now. I'm, I'm kidding. There is a reunion show with yes. me and Bill and Steven that we did. So if you were a fan back in the day, watch that. Um, and uh, there was a, a lot of people were happy about that. Um, it was fun. Yeah, it was we really do this fun. every uh, every. Tuesday normally, but in, we haven't been able to uh, this week because we had a terrible stream crash and all that. So we're we're making it up for this Thursday. Um, yeah. I know so, multiple. I know multiple people that that their streams didn't work on thir- on a Tuesday night. Like it was a lot of. People. I saw a couple of people too that only had like twenty two people that normally have like over two hundred. Like it was a lot the people that were affected that night. So I don't feel as bad um, about it, but. We're going to make it up for yeah. tonight. Um, well, uh, speaking of, just real quick, we got 26 yeah. people in here right now. The last time I looked, I think we had eight thumbs ups. If y'all don't mind hitting the like button, that helps us out a ton. It helps like people like Peter who probably aren't getting the video in the algorithm. That helps get more people into that, like with that algorithm is the more likes we have. 
and y'all have been killing it with that. Thank you so much. All of our videos lately are doing like 40, 50 or so thumbs ups. And like, we really, really appreciate that. Um, Bears Bound just sent a super chat and he just did my job for me. If y'all have stuff that you want us to deep dive on, if you send a super chat, we will, we will talk about it. We're about to shift to whatever Bears Bound wants us to talk about right now. Um, you can send those right through YouTube. And it can this, be a question, it can be a comment, it can be predictions, it can be whatever you want. We'll make sure it's heard. And, and it'll be on the audio version of this uh, the next day as well. So people will still hear it on the audio feed. And this also will be, this is one of the reasons why we call this live rounds, right? Because we'll be talking and all of a sudden someone will send in a super chat, like a live round, and we'll just switch over to that and nail it for you. So um, let's see what we got. So fancy boogie aside, what were some things about the invasion that you guys actually did enjoy or some matches or moments that were awesome? I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is RVD and Jeff Hardy. Like that to me is one of the top matches. And what I loved about it was it was, it was real RVD. It was ECW RVD coming into WWE and not being watered down. And I mean, I guess that this would be a good, segue into that so let's talk about the invasion for a little bit and then we'll go to there um i enjoyed the main event for the most part uh stone cold with the alliance and all that and then god i'm trying to remember was that when kurt angle also joined right yeah yeah that was when kurt angle was the one because they they were like one of your team is gonna is gonna cross and it was angle yeah and i mean it was okay, but uh, there there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of good stuff on there. So this this the the invasion. So wait, a minute, I think that was wait. I think Stone Cold was the one that turned because um, he needed the old Austin or whatever, right? Is that the one? I'm mixing yeah. this stuff up. I yeah, know. but but Angle was also he joined. Didn't he join? Because he was the WWE no. champion at one point. No, I think Angle. But he didn't win the WWE title. He just didn't win yeah. the. Okay, that's why I'm getting confused. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, totally mixed this up in our heads. Um, but anyways, I I, I remember uh, that being like um, Freddie Blassie and doing the invasion angle and like this kind of like this could be it type thing. Um, it was. I just the, the that whole storyline kills me because if they just would have waited, man, if they just would have yeah. waited, they took took the money and just waited and then and then just bring everybody in after all those guaranteed contracts were up. I think we would be talking about that storyline to this day, like it, and no matter what, no matter how bad they botched it, right, the the, the botch NWO and everything like that, like I think there would have been so many memorable moments from that time that they really could have capitalized on, but bringing less than WCW 2000 over to invade WWE was just, just such a bad idea. Yeah. I'm trying to think of some big highlights. Like you mentioned, and I, I remember it was Atlanta where RVD and Tommy dreamer jumped the rail and like, yeah. like that was like their debut or, RVD's re-debut, re- technically. Moment, <laughs> but then I still remember, like, because I was, once again, I was a huge WCW fan, and, like, I was skeptical from day one, but I was also like, this is the coolest thing that could ever happen, WCW versus WWF. Like, this is, this is all my dreams coming true right now. And then when ECW got involved, I was like, this is even cooler, because, like, 
I love ECW too. Like, I can't believe this is going to, but then when WCW and ECW joined together, then I was like, Oh, lame. Like they, like they, not like they, that, mm-hmm. not only that, I felt like ECW became bigger than WCW. Well, they Just had more actual representation. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, that's that's what was like, the thing. and then not only that, you, you bring in an ECW with all those guys and then you merge it with Stephanie McMahon. Like it yeah, was, I, I remember feeling so amazing when RVD and Dreamer jumped the rail. And then I remember at the end of the night, Stephanie coming out and being like, ugh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It so, was a lot of, I mean, under, under delivering, unfortunately. Cause the other, the other sad thing is the talent that they brought over from WCW. A lot of those guys could have been really good if they weren't like, if they weren't used like that, like if they could have taken like Sean O'Hare and like Chuck Palumbo and like those guys and put them in like developmental for a second and like not had them as the guys who just went out and job to WWF right away. Like if they had, if they had like, you know, Sting and the NWO and Flair and whatever, and that was the real WWF or WCW. And whenever that was over, then you start introducing guys like uh, Mark Jindrak and Sean O'Hare and that kind of stuff. Then they would have had a chance because they were still like young, talented guys. But they were thrown in and just jobbed to the WWF, and that was that was it for them, really. Yeah. Most of them. I mean, I and I feel like they could have had everybody, but probably Sting. So, like at the end of the day, like you literally could have had just one night, right? Where like the NWO, Hogan, Hall, Nash, Sting, Rey Mysterio, DDP, Booker T, like all of them, Goldberg. All of them right there. And imagine this is like a big brawl with The Rock and Stone Cold and like The Undertaker. I mean, it would have just been madness. It would have been insane. Well, I think they could have gotten Sting. It's the whole story of Sting saying that he he decided not to do it once The Rock basically didn't know who Booker T was in a promo. And he was like, okay, I'm uh, not going there then. But if that never happened, who knows? Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying he would have, uh, he wouldn't have, but I just feel like he wouldn't have liked the idea that WCW would have looked like second fiddle and eventually lost to the WWE in an invasion angle. And so I just don't know if he would be all aboard signing up for that. Because, yeah. like, when he did come in, it wasn't a representation of WCW. It was just Sting. Just Sting, but they did that's make, it. But they did make the whole story, like, WCW oh, yeah. versus WWE. And, and I, like, I don't think he team. ever forgave him. For it, like, and I and I doubt that's what was presented to him when he signed the contract. In my opinion, right? Yeah, I mean, they probably thought it was in a wrestle Undertaker, like everyone else and, did, right? And they totally pivoted, like, and, and that buildup wasn't even there for the Triple H Sting match going into WrestleMania. There was no mention of like DX on one side, NWO on the other, and all this other stuff. Like that was just kind of thrown out there. And I, and I don't think that he knew that that was going to happen. So yeah, I, uh, it is I what it is. I did mark out to an insane level though, when DS and NWO yeah. squared off, like I, even sure. though they, they were so old, but it was like, we've always wanted it. So yeah. Yep. No, it was a cool moment. It was definitely a cool moment. No doubt about it. WrestleMania type moment. Scott um, Hall took a bump on the outside. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> yeah, those days are over. <laughs> yeah. But remember, he was like going to go for the the razor's edge, and then he got flipped over. I was like, oh wow, didn't expect that. That man's nuts. I heard he, I heard he's sixty two now. So Hall, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, yeah, my dad's age. Yeah, yeah. 
And hey, he's lucky to be there. So he's lucky oh, yeah. to hit that 62. So, you oh, know, yeah. God bless him. For sure. Um, so I guess we'll just jump into the RVD icons thing then, since we were talking about Rob Van Dam. I have a lot of feelings about this because, like, I absolutely loved Rob Van Dam. Like, and, and the funny thing is, and no and kidding, RVD Tito for life, right? Exactly. And I think a lot of people thought because I loved Rob Van Dam that I smoke weed. And like, I don't smoke weed at all. And people thought like I was this ultimate pothead. And like, that's never been the case. Um, and so that's kind of my problem with Rob in the end is that he became such a smoke, a spoke person for weed and he did it his way. And I feel like that he could have been such a bigger star if he would have just played the game a little bit and not been as such an advocate for weed. And I, I get it. And we also, I feel like the same thing goes for Nick Diaz. Right. And when you're in a corporate structure, a corporate company, you do have to play the game a little bit. And what I hate about RVD's career overall is that he viewed himself as this ECW level wrestler like him and Sabu are peers and it's like no bro no bro not at all like you were way above Sabu like way above Sabu you were at that AJ Styles Shawn Michaels level and you didn't give a damn and that that to me is what's sad about his career because I feel like that guy could have been massive honestly what I think sad, what I think is sad about it is the timing because like if he was doing all this now, no one would care. Like if he was do- if he was a weed advocate and a THC advocate and a CBD advocate, he'd be getting sponsorship deals. Like yeah. Like so now outside of the WWE, that's a different story. Even Matt Riddle will say like he he obviously uses it often, but he doesn't want to talk about it in interviews because WWE's a PG show. But right. but like you know outside of the WWE, I guess I should say um, most people wouldn't care. And even the WWE obviously doesn't care if they're, I mean, if Matt Riddle's working there and he's getting a push and he is obviously using it in, you know what I mean? Like the the, the standard uh, has changed completely. I listened to Orton's interview with um, Conrad and Kurt Angle. And he was like, you know, when I'm at home and I uh, do my, uh, when I embrace my inner Riddle. Yeah. If you know what I mean. So it's like, they're all do it. It's just they just pay the fine. Yeah, but to, but to me, it's like it's the Ricky Williams story. It's the Nick Diaz story. It's you knew back then the consequences of your actions, and you didn't care right. because you'd rather have done that. And I just think he could have been such a bigger star. Like, and and I do think that the documentary points that out and say, and I, and I think he does regret how he handled when he won the title and he got pulled over. And that cop was a total asshole. Like you could totally see that he was ready to go after those right. guys. But there's also like no easier way to get caught than like smoking and driving. And you know what I mean? Like, like that's, it's just a bonehead move. No speeding. Like yeah. not just driving, but like speeding at a very fast lo- level to the yeah. point to where he got pulled over. Like he was careless. He thought he was untouchable. Right. And when the company, literally gave you the title. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I don't think that when he got the title, he was in it, it, the most over. I think he was the most over when he debuted. 
Yeah, that guy was, was yeah. that guy was getting pops over Stone Cold. And I still remember the like when I think it was Stone Cold and someone else were laying on the on the mat at the same time, and yeah, RVD was on angle. top angle, angle, yeah, and and he was on top. I think it was like the end of Raw or something, and that was a big thing because I remember everyone on the show was like, "Who's he gonna jump on?" Like yep. like that's how over he was. It was like, yep. "Who is RVD gonna decide to frog splash?" Like, yep. yeah, I'm, I'm man, I'm and with you though. That's when he was the, the Rock. Over. He was facing mm-hmm. The Rock. He was yep. facing The Undertaker. He was facing Stone Cold. <laughs> he was facing all those guys. And, like, he just uh, – I think another thing, too, that they didn't want to go over in the documentary, but it really hurt him as he refused to do a romance angle with Stephanie McMahon. Bruce Pritchard went over that. And, like, the, and you notice, too, the moment that he decides not to do that, he gets de-pushed. All of a sudden, he loses to Edge. Um, and it was like right after Survivor Series, right? And then like he gets another kind of opportunity with Triple H and the Shawn Michaels thing. He crushes mm-hmm. Triple H's throat, and then he's not booked on Armageddon. And then by the time that he's in 2004, he's tagging with Kane. He's tagging with Booker. It's over, right? And then they kind of bring him back in 06 to give him that shot at ECW One Night Stand, and uh. He got he got the ball, man. He got everything. He was able to beat Cena. He was the champion, and then he got pulled over, and the rest is history. The one thing I was surprised in that interview, though, in that documentary, is I've never heard Vince talk about Rob, and I didn't know how much like Vince loves Rob. That was pretty surprising. And then it's like I know, like you probably thought it was hilarious and stuff, but like he gives Vince rolling papers and I'm just like, dude, that you? was funny. Yeah. But, but to me, that's like, dude, like that's the reason you were not able to reach your potential is because you wanted to be <laughs> screwing around and like, you could have been huge and I get it. That's not what he wanted to do and you can't change somebody. And I understand that, but just as a fan that was so invested that was literally fighting on message boards and everything. Make RVD champ, make RVD champ. And little did I know he's over there with Sabu dreaming about ECW smoking weed and talking about how much this place sucks. Like it just, it just bums me out that he didn't want it the way that I wanted it for him. Yeah. I, I get all that. And I get that he wasn't playing by the rules and that weed was illegal and all. Like I, I get all that, but like, look at his peers, right? Like the list of people, like his peers, where are they at? None of them are anywhere. Most of them are like dead dead. or in terrible shape, right? And they weren't, and because they were doing way worse than smoking weed, way worse. Like I think, I think that they weren't the athlete that he was. They weren't the wrestler that he was. But yet he wanted to keep himself in that bubble, as those were his peers. And that's where I'm like, dude, those aren't your peers. You are way above them. You are here. They are here. And he never viewed himself that way. Yeah. Well, I, I get what you're saying, but I'm all, I'm just saying like, this was also, he's smoking weed in an era of like people having serious pill problems and serious, you know. Just... I honestly think weed saved his life. I really do. Yeah. I, I'm not heavily against him being an advocate for it. I am against it to the point to where it affected his career. That's where it's like, okay, you know, you don't have to be on High Times Magazine and you don't have to be a guy that's just constantly RVD 420 and all that other stuff. Like, I get to a certain extent, but at the same point, like, this is an example, right? My mom was a fan of Rob Van Dam 
my mm -hmm. mom is a conservative person who doesn't believe in taking any drugs like that, right? But just what he presented on TV was enough and it was good enough for her to be a fan because he was different. He was colorful. He did all sorts of different moves. He had a different style. There was a lot of people like that that didn't need the extreme Rob Van Dam. They just needed RVD, and right. he just never embraced that. And that, that to me is the tragedy, right, is I just don't feel like he reached his full potential as a pro wrestler just so he could say, I did it my way. And that's fine. He did do it his way. And I think that at the end of the day, I think that he is one of the most athletically gifted wrestlers there's ever been. Like, I've never seen somebody with his flexibility, size, high flying movement, mixing hardcore wrestling with high flying and making it look amazing, right? Like, before the Omega Okadas, there was RVD and Jerry Lynn. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And that guy paved the way for so many people in independence. So I love Rob, man. I mean, I think that he's one of the best. And I think he had such a cool style and everything. But just as a fan, I just wanted more for him. And I wanted him to believe in himself more than what he did. I wanted him to separate himself from the pack. When Paul Heyman talks about that he is the Bruno San Martino, he is the Hulk Hogan of ECW, I wanted him to treat himself like that and not just be like, hey, Tommy Dreamer, hey, Sabu, you're my guys. And, of course, to me, honestly, I think Sabu held Rob down, and I think he did it on purpose to keep his spot and to make sure that Rob didn't go way above him. Because he's like, yeah, we're the same, Rob. And, you know, we grew up together with the Sheik and we don't let things slide like that and all that stuff. And who's the one that he got pulled over with? Sabu. I just think that at the end of the day, Rob Rob could have been a HBK. Rob could have been a Stone Cold or Rock, something like that. And he just didn't want it. And and to me, that that's unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I don't, I don't, I mean, the only thing that I have a problem with is like, I just, as a fan, I feel like I was robbed of like a really good potential title run. And I think it really screwed up the whole WWE CW thing really badly. And, you know, there's a lot of consequences to him getting in trouble and he yeah. deserved to get in trouble. Like if he was smoke, he was driving around smoking weed. Like I'm a gigantic advocate for, for weed. Like, you know what I mean? Right. But, I, but I don't advocate that people smoke and drive around, you know, just like I wouldn't advocate people drink and drive. So like, it's one of those things. I just think the timing sucked, but I, I really don't mean you were different in that sense. We've talked about this with other wrestlers too yeah. other and other athletes. Like if he, if he didn't, you know what I mean? Like if that's his prerogative, like he doesn't owe us anything other than to, to make the money that he's on his contract and work the days. And hopefully, you know, a lot, and a lot of them, you know, like they will go above and beyond and stuff, but he hit a level where, it, it happens a lot now too, because a lot of these yeah. wrestlers, like they get to WWE, they see how the meat is made and then they get like super demotivated because it's like, I don't really care that much if I'm the WWE champion, but the ECW title still meant something to him. He didn't care about the WWE title at all. You know, it's like, I, you know, it just is what it is. Like I, you know, and I also have like, you know, certain views about, weed and all that stuff too like I, I i liked that he was an advocate for it and i just i think that it sucks that he was an advocate when nobody else was when people thought it was such a bad thing and now people realize it isn't 
Um, so he got grouped in with a lot of shit when he shouldn't have, I think. Yeah, so. I mean, like I said, it's it's not the fact that, that I have a problem with him standing up for weed or whatever. I just have a problem with him being in a corporate company where he knows the potential of what he could have been and he chose to never let go of that side. Right. Because when, when he can look back at this whole thing, his full body of career, like he was better than that. That's my thing. But like, what about what about someone like Brian Danielson? Like if he never won the WWE title and stuff, when he, but he right. still was like Homicide's my peer. Uh, you know what I mean? Like Joe's my peer, McGinnis. Like those are the guys. Like I don't care about being a John Cena or being uh, you know, a Hulk Hogan, but I like being this indie guy. Like, would you feel any I, different I, about something like that? I'm gonna think Brian Danielson failed. I that's, oh, okay. that's wow. because he he we don't get WrestleMania 30 with him holding both titles if he has that attitude. And we got that. That was one of the best moments in WrestleMania history because there, Brian yeah. had a good attitude. A lot of it. Well, I don't think it's necessarily a bad attitude, up. though. I'd say like, I think that's being too harsh. Like. But like, look that's at not a bad Hunter, for example. Uh-huh. Like he fought with the WWE about because he just didn't want to play the game. Like he was frustrated and he understood things. Could he have had a better career in the WWE? Absolutely, sure, absolutely. But it's like these guys that get there, they want to be able to do things their way and not play the game at all. You got to play the game a little bit, right. a little bit. Not, I'm not saying that they're right in a lot of ways, but a little bit. No, it's true. It is true. Like I'll, I, I won't, I won't say his name, but I know for a fact there's a guy that I know, very good friends, mutual friends. I know a lot about the situation. There's a guy that I know that has a verbal agreement to go to the WWE in September, but it's not signed, yeah. and he is still waffling right now on whether or not to sign because he is terrified of what they're going to do to his career. He knows he'll make more money than he's ever made. Yeah. But like he has a lot of pride in his work that he does on the indies, and he's very protective over his character and his name and the things that he wants to do with his career. But he has to decide: Am I willing to give up my art basically for the next three years if I sign this deal, or you know, and, and play the game, or just stick to what I love doing? So I don't think that's necessarily him having a bad attitude. That's just him being making the decision where he thinks he's going to actually be the happiest. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so <laughs> that's what I think it comes down to. But if you sign that contract, See, I think, if you sign the I, contract, you have to know what you're getting, what you're signing up for. 1000%. Right. And I think, I think it's more of a pride issue in my opinion. Like, so I think personally, Rob Van Dam smoking weed really helped him with concussion recovery with pain, all that stuff. So I think it really helped him in the long run. The guy was an unbelievable, like as much as people want to talk about how he potatoed people and all this stuff, he also took an unbelievable amount of punishment. And for him to be able to last as long as he did, damn near 30 years, I mean, like he clearly had something for, uh, that he clearly was able to do something to his body and take things that made him last longer than most, right? And so, and I feel like weed is a big part of that for him. My biggest thing, though, is, is like he never let go of being an ECW renegade and he never embraced being in the WWE when none of those guys got the opportunity to beat the Stone Colds, to beat the Kurt Angles, to beat uh, Undertakers and the Rocks and all that stuff. When you get that type of opportunity, 
you have to embrace it somewhat, man. And yeah, like, I, it's not like he did. That's like the one thing in his career that I think he does regret is not like I capitalizing agree. on that. Yeah, I agree. So that's my biggest complaint about it. It's not that it's not that I think that the guy is like this ultimate failure and all this stuff. Like, I think that even through all the stuff that he did, like he's still one of the greatest. And I think he's one of the biggest innovators in the business of all time. And he's just a badass. Rob Van Dam was awesome. And like, I love the guy. I just wish that he wanted it more like I wanted it for him. And right. that, that could be a selfish thing for me. And I'm not saying it's not, I'm not right. saying that I'm sure. just saying in general, like, it's the same I reason you would want John Jones. Potential. It's the same reason you don't want John Jones screwing up outside the octagon. 100%. Right. I get it. I totally get 100%. it. hundred percent. So it's not, it's not the personal and it's not necessarily like heavy against weed. It's not necessarily even the weed. It's the fact of buying into the corporation that you do work for. Right. If you have the opportunity to be great, like a John Jones, you literally could have been the greatest without question. And you chose to do a whole bunch of silly stuff that makes you question if you're the goat or not. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, right. That, that's the thing. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, no. I totally see what you're saying. We got Kogan asking about RVD, actually. Thank you for the super chats, y'all. If you can keep hitting the like button as well, I think we're up to uh, we're up to 17 likes, and we had about 30 people in here right now. So thank you all very much. It went up a lot after the last time I mentioned it. So if you haven't already, please hit the like button, and we're going to start uh, going through some of these super chats. So hypothetically, if RV, RVD came to WWF full-time in 97, what do you think could have been possible within the Attitude Era and ECW? So one thing that I think would have been incredible, it's one of my ultimate dream feuds, is RVD HBK. Because what I think would have been such uh, a fascinating thing to see, Sean had never seen anyone that could go out there and do the things that he could do and do things that he could do better. He always viewed himself as such a top tier and I think if he had saw the stuff that RVD could do athletically, he would have felt really threatened, really threatened. And I think if they'd have absolutely embraced RVD and Sean could kind of see the writing on the wall where he could be possibly replaced by RVD, like, I think that would have been an insane feud. It would almost be like Sean meeting his match. Like, because yeah. Brett was such a guy that just wasn't that – hip cool guy anymore and he was kind of the bitter old veteran that the way they made him out to be and imagine sean being kind of put in that role and rob just being like yeah you're not as good as me bro and then i i just think that would have been incredible i smoke weed you pop pills bro yeah, um, exactly um honestly i can't top that answer that would be the top matchup for sure it would be rvd and because that's like that's just pre-retirement sean michaels like that's that's uh yeah that'd be really great there's really nobody else i could think of that would have been on the roster that would have been a better choice than that and like back in 97 guys were not even doing anywhere close to what rob was doing like literally oh, right. everything he was doing was innovative everything he was doing was different so i mean i just i think that it's uh it's, it's it would just be massive i would <clears throat> i would die to see that it'll be good him and, Fo- him and Foley would have been interesting in WWE. Oh, man, that would have been good. 
God, that would have been good because Foley would be willing to do whatever, and so would Rob. Yeah, like, you take that bandaminator right to the dome. Like, <laughs> 100%. 100%. And Rob would take take a chair shot right to the head. Like, yeah. I think him and The Rock would have been interesting. You know, like, yeah. imagine The Rock and, and he walks by Rob Van Dam, and, and like the great one expects him to kind of like show him a little bit of respect, and Rob just blows him off, acting like he's nobody. And then, you know, The Rock wants to face him for that. And good God, you know, The Rock can deliver a chair shot. So, I mean, oh, yeah. They would have had a crazy war. Like, speaking of fully. Yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of stuff. And honestly, if they'd have gotten maybe a little early, I think Brett and Rob Van Dam would have had a killer match. Yeah. Because it's such a clash in styles. So, yeah, like, I really think Rob should have left. Not maybe not ninety seven, but I don't think he should have stayed all the way till the end. And what was crazy is, is Hangman basically admitted, like, look, I, he was going to leave. I, I, you know, that's why he didn't get on the pay per view. We didn't know how long he was going to be there, right? Because even he had bigger visions for Rob than Rob had for himself. Like, that's the frustrating part. I'm looking at my wall of, uh, of figures here to see if there's anyone else that comes to mind around ninety seven. <laughs> That would have when been. Out, look for your figure collection. Yeah, I'm thinking like 90s. Oh, you know, uh, I don't know. It would have maybe even 98, but like him and Shamrock? Yeah, oh, that would have been great. Yeah, that would have been great. Actually, he was, Shamrock was there in 97, but he was doing yeah, like refereeing. Was, I don't know if he was yeah. wrestling yet, but I can't remember. He started to go towards the end. Him and Sean? Like yeah. Yeah. That would have been, been great. So. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff that would have been amazing. Yeah, good question, Kogan. And I also saw I saw Kogan mention that RVD and Sean had a match on Raw in 02, which is which is true. Yeah, I watched that match probably twenty times just because it's the only one we got, and it's not very good. And it, like, dude, when Sean won the title at Survivor Series, and the next night he's talking about he you know his challenger and Rob mm-hmm. Van Dam came out dude i was marking out so much i was so excited and you know triple h gets a crushed throat you're not thinking he's going to be involved the freaking next week they wrestle triple h is there to interfere and it's just like damn it and then here we are to armageddon right and like Sean and, and Rob never never touched again like nothing like that sucks yeah I would have, I would have at least liked to see them have a pay per view feud one time, but it is what it is. Yeah. All right. Uh, Magnificent Matt sent in two super chats. Probably forgot to send one question, but I appreciate it, man. Uh, love your videos. Who are some of your favorite guilty pleasure wrestlers? Guys who weren't great in the ring, but you still liked. Oh, I got plenty of those. Yeah, you know, Marco Stunt. No, I'm just kidding. He's he's good, decent in the ring. He's just guilty pleasure. Todd Dawes got to be Glacier. That's my that's my dude. Oof, God, I can't do it. I can't. Do I mean, it. you know who was really good in the ring, but never got a push. That I think sh- like had the character and everything, but different. I thought Alex Wright was really good. He never got like, yeah. like he, if he like talent wise, he was they just had him pigeonholed as like the yep. dance dude. Yeah. And then Berlin was terrible. Berlin um, was awful. <laughs> God, it was bad. I'm trying to think of the other guilty pleasures. I got plenty of their figures. I'm sure. Um, you know who I liked back in the day? <laughs> Jimmy Yang. Yang like time, baby. Yang, Let's go. Yeah. Jimmy Yang, Paul London. Um, he might have been the first guy doing the Phoenix Flash, Jimmy Yang. Yeah, I I, I liked Jimmy Yang. Um, Paul London's another good one you just mentioned. He was great. Yeah, he was, he was um, awesome. 
one of the best bombers like ever. I know that there's some that, but I, I, I don't know. Like I, I didn't understand the business stuff, but like, I didn't like a lot of bad wrestlers. Like really, even when I was a young kid, like I hated Hacksaw Jim Duggan. He annoyed the crap out of me. Um, so I don't know. I got uh, the, the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan. You were a fan? Well, he was the first villain when I was watching it. It was him oh, versus Hulkamania. So it was Yikes. like, that's that was what I thought wrestling was, was, was you know. Um, oh. I was seven years old. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm not giving you a pass. He was terrible. He was really bad. No, but the Dungeon um, of Doom, that was like the worst story ever. But it was like, yeah. but, but, but here's the thing. I quickly recognized, because yeah. I, I was in it because of Hulk Hogan initially, right? Because he was like the one everyone knew. But he was feuding with the Taskmaster, and I saw like the debut of the Giant and all that stuff, right? <clears throat> but I quickly realized Randy Savage was way better, and then that's when my trajectory went more towards like Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho, like that's where. But it started with Savage for me. Mm. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to think of TNA guys. There's got to be a couple in there. Monty Brown, but he was good. He just didn't like get to live yeah. up to the potential. Uh, yeah. But he's like not really guilty pleasure. Um, I liked Chris Harris and Braden Walker was terrible, but I liked Chris Harris. I don't know, man. There's not a ton that I'm like, oh, these guys are awful, but I love them. I'm trying to think who else. I mean, I'm sure I can think of plenty, but I mean, Glacier's the one who always wants to mind first for me because, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's the easy one to choose for me. Man, I'll tell you a guy that's really <laughs> underrated that was awesome was Blitzkrieg. Dude. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, because like, dude, he only wrestled for a few years and he was incredible. And he wound up he wound up retiring like young and went into like real estate or something. Yeah. And then Jack Evans wound up taking the gimmick for a second. I don't know if you remember that, but Jack Evans was Blitzkrieg 2 for like a few matches. I remember like back in the early 2000s and Yeah, no. Man. Wow. Dude, Blitzkrieg was the man. If y'all don't know about Blitzkrieg, he was a WCW cruiserweight. Um Man, yeah, I've got the, awesome. the the signed photo I have of Glacier is him kicking Lismark Jr. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, um, <clears throat> Yano. See, I'm not a Yano fan, but like I, I can't get, do it. I, I get can't that. Do people, it. Yeah, I get why. I get why people like him. But for me, he take. For me, I'm watching New Japan. I actually had this conversation earlier tonight. When I watch New Japan, I got I got I got Disco Inferno signed eight by ten as well. So yeah, Disco <laughs> Fever right here. I got I got it on my bar mitzvah as a present. I'll never forget that. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, him and Alex Wright were together. They're the, the yeah. dancing fools, I think was their name. But, yeah. uh, but Yano, the only thing that, that I don't like about him, and I think I feel the same way about, I think it's Taguchi. Is that the dude who wears the green pants who headbutts over and over? No, yeah. that's a different guy. But I know what you're talking about. The guys who are kind of the more comedy were like, I watch New Japan and I want to watch like the strong style, hard hitting sports base. And then Yano is like kicking people in the dick and like, Taking the the turnbuckle off every time, but I get that he has a fan base. Yeah, and what's up, Brandon? Good to see you in here, man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I guess that's a do it. Like Tyson Tomko, I absolutely hated him in the WWE, but when he went yeah. to TNA and the Christian Coalition, nah, he was all right with me. I didn't really? mind him. Swagger couldn't stand him in the WWE. I haven't. My, I don't mind him too much in the inner circle, and they haven't used him much, which is great. So. Um, yeah. Oh boy. Here's some lists. 
Nails, Sean O'Hare, Chuck Palumbo, Brutus Beefcake, Tomko. Uh, Brutus <laughs> Beefcake, I liked him as a kid, and yeah, he's not very good. Well, you, you know, know how I, you know, I was introduced to him, right? The, uh, the booty disciple? man. Disciple? Oh, booty the booty man. man. Oh, my yeah. God. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was pre-disciple. Uh, yeah, yeah, way the pre-disciple. Um, hey, dude, I didn't even know that Ultimate Warrior existed when I met the Renegade. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I – yeah. Okay. Dude, no, dude you got to understand, though, which I know you do. Seven years old, no internet, only wrestling I've ever seen WCW. Yep. Go. Wow. How am I supposed to know so that like, any of this? How did you not watch WWF at all? <laughs> because I just started TBS. I got I got the Turner Networks, dude. That was like my well, that was I've lived in Atlanta. Like I yeah. I, I mean I had access to these other channels, but I was always watching TBS. And I and then and then I started watching TNT when Nitro started. Because I, I started watching in like ninety four, so it was also pre Nitro. So I was just watching WCW Saturday night weekly. That was how I got into wrestling. And then it all snowballed from there. But once yeah. I became aware of what was happening on the WWF, and then I started going to Blockbuster and getting like the old VHS tapes and stuff, then it's when I started putting stuff together. And I'm like, oh, like the whole Dungeon of Doom is guys from that were that were like Hulk Hogan nemesis five years ago on this I didn't know that initially. See, I was more of a Saturday night main <laughs> event guy, and then I would rent videotapes at the rental store and then like catch stuff like that, and then I would start to watch their weekly stuff. Um, but like, you know, Earthquake and Tugboat and all that stuff was Hulk Hogan's like issues and stuff like that. And uh yeah, like you you what's crazy is is you watched all those guys in WCW and like I watched them in WWE and then I'm only tuning into WCW because those guys are now on that show, you know what I right. mean? Because yeah. I wasn't watching WCW at all. Like the I, I just remember like Hulk Hogan um became a bad guy, so I had to tune in, and then Macho Man was hanging on the roof of a limousine yeah. like, as they were leaving Nitro, and I was like this is like the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like I'm going to watch this from now on. And that was it. Like I, I just tuned in every week after that. So, um, but yeah, I, I vividly remember like, Oh my God, macho man is still crazy. And he is hanging off of a limousine while it's driving away off the top of the roof. And like, yeah, I'm going to watch this now, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's how it all started for me. Um, Mean Street Posse. Vince you know Russo, I always liked? Not really, not really overrated, but they were also in the Dungeon of Doom. Like, I always liked Ming from day one. I thought he was cool. Like, I mean Haku? But but he was Ming to I me. Know. Ming I, and the I, Barbarian. I the, the faces of fear. Um, and see, Haku was like uh, always part of the Heenan family. Right, like, which I know now. I knew, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, it's wild. It is. I never I love did. I think he was so believable as a bad guy. Like I remember when he snapped at Sean, when Sean basically told him he didn't need a bodyguard anymore, <laughs> and then he power bombed him. And I was just like, "Well, Sean's dead." Like there's like he was so believable. And then the Hulk Hogan, the press conference when they announced the number one contender, and they announced Hogan, and he's just sitting there like, <laughs> and uh, like 
like he was just such a believable guy. He had a huge size, but he's terrible. He can't wrestle worth the crap. But man, was he believable. Another guy that I didn't realize how bad he was until later on because he was always in main events was Lex Luger. Like yeah. I thought that he was like one of the best. And then when you go back and you watch the stuff and, you know, you start to become a smart mark and picking things apart, you're like, damn, he's not good at all. Right. Yeah. But he's one where, like, he was one of my guys big time being a WCW yeah. fan. Like, you know, he was the first guy to really stick it to, to the NWO and, and won the title from Hogan, even though it only lasted a week. But, like, I – So I have I, an opportunity <laughs> in meeting him in August, and I don't know if I want to do it. Just because he's in a wheelchair now, he's lost all his muscle and, like – I just I don't know if I want to taint taint my image of what he was. Do you want you know to meet, I mean? do you want to meet him or do you want his autograph? I mean, if I want his autograph, I could just buy his autograph. I'm about to but say like, like I, I have a few Lex Luger autographs like that I can spare one of. Like I got like multiple signed eight by tens from him. Yeah, yeah, no, it's just you know like I love to have all my meet and greets and meet all these guys and stuff. And I thought it'd be cool to meet Lex Luger, but it's like man, like mm, I don't know. It'd be really sad to see like. Like what Bobby Heenan looked like before he went, like there's no way, there's no way I could have done that. Like yeah, I just tough. leave it alone. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. Yeah, well, that was a fun trip down memory talking, lane, though. Thank you. For yeah, for sure. Def- definitely love the super chats when they they don't really keep us on the current stuff because then you can really look back and, and reminisce. You know what I mean? One last name I want to throw out there. We don't have to talk yeah. about him, but just because I I also now realize like he, he showed flashes of greatness, but never. <laughs> um, no, I'm really very nervous who you're about to say. Johnny B. Bad, Mark Marrow. Oh wow! Like okay. because because he he looks like a wrestler. He was athletic. He was he, athletic. He do the shooting star press. Like yeah. that blew my tits off. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like he did the TKO. Like he had a cool moves. He just never. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. And he used to come out in WCW with uh, frisbees and throw them out into the crowd. And I thought that was cool when I was seven years old. You know, so it's like, yeah. Anyway, well, since we're talking about somewhat of a uh, you know injuries and Luger and all that stuff and how bad a shape he's in, let's talk about Will Ospreay. Well, we, did, we had a, we had a super chat. If you want to, I think we had another one. Oh, geez. Okay, we'll we'll hold off on Will Ospreay. Thanks, Brandon. Yes. Um. What your guys' take on commentators, J.R. King, J.R. Heyman, Michael Coltaz? I can't stand commentary in today's wrestling. I hate the three-man booth. Um, I can tell you my favorite commentary team right now. Go for it. Half a second. Favorite commentary team ever? Yeah, it's going to be Bobby Heenan and Tony Schiavone? No. In, in, uh, in, uh, WCW. And pe- people are going to think I'm BSing. Yeah. Like, I'm dead serious. Mike Tanay and Don West. Wow. Really, I love them because Don West was like from the outside, like like uh, QVC dude, one hundred percent. But funny thing about Don West, his energy adapted to wrestling very well. Once he started realizing what was going on and how it worked, I think he got really good really quickly. The funny thing about Don West is I saw him on QVC before he got involved into wrestling. Me too. I remember him swimming in Jordans and yeah, and he's like. Michael Jordan rookie card. Ken Griffey Jr. Like, folks, I've got 10. Well, oh, oh, what? Yeah. Six more, folks. Yeah. Six yeah. more, folks. I remember. And then he just like, kept hammering it down, and I was just like, this guy would be amazing at pro wrestling. Like, I immediately yes. thought that. 
And then he got into TNA. And I think the problem with him is he's such a salesman that, like, no matter what, even if it's not the best, folks, we witnessed the greatest match in the history of pro wrestling. And but you're like, you, but, but that's what you breaks. But that's like, that's what I think is missing, like, from like WWE commentary and stuff is like, you don't have somebody just like marking out on commentary that yeah. also knows what's going on. And then you have the other guy right. next to him. There's the kind of the straight man today who can break everything, everything. down. Exactly. Yeah. I think it works great. Yeah. I really liked Morrow and Nigel for NXT. Yeah. Like I really like that. Um, but like, I'm going to go with the old school uh, <laughs> to me. It's either Jr. and King, or it's going to be gorilla monsoon and Bobby Heenan. Like mm-hmm. those two, their chemistry was unbelievable. Um, but I understand what he's saying about today's commentary. I hate I hate Jim Ross and AEW. I mean, I've said it over and over and over and over and over and over well. again. And what the, the and the main reason is exactly what you said. When is Jim Ross ever marked out about anything going on in that ring in AEW? And he'll like to he'll like to throw his little jabs in there every now and then. You know what I mean? Um Kevin Kelly, Rocky Romero, Chris, Chris Charlton's current favorite mine. You know who was really good too was um, Don Callis when he was doing uh, New Japan. Like he, yeah. him and Kevin Kelly was amazing. Wasn't Barnett so, doing it for a second? Uh, he did do it with Jim Ross a couple of times. He yeah, did, remember remember the show where like Jay White <laughs> broke Jim Ross's rib and then he got in the ring and went after Jay White. Right, that's right. I Michael forgotten, Cole yeah. and Taz, yeah, that was a good one. I mean, I think the best WWE team ever is JR and the King. I don't think it's even – I mean, I, but I also wasn't watching for But it's, it's not – it's what's your favorite, you know what I mean? So Right. Well, yeah, well, my favorite, yeah, is, is today and Don West, yeah. Don and Kevin were fun, yeah. I liked, I liked Dusty Rose when he would do WCW Saturday Night and stuff, like him and uh, him and uh, the, the, the living legend, Larry Zabisco. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan of Zabisco, though, as a person. He's so boring. Oh, my God, he's so boring. Well, see, I, once again, as a kid, my perspective was, like, they always talked about how great he was, but I didn't. A living legend. Right. But, like, but they really, because he was involved in storylines with, like, Scott Hall and stuff, I remember, too, yep. where it was, like. He wrestled Eric Bischoff on uh, Starca- uh, Starcade. I love that we're talking about WCW right now, dude. I love, I love all the feels. I love that. Up until it got real bad at the end, man. I love WCW. Yeah, WCW was was awesome, and for so many different reasons. And what I love too is the fact that you had both, right? Like WCW yes. was amazing, and Raw was amazing. WWE, Raw, SmackDown, like both of them. It was just, it was awesome to have. A lot, and I really, I really wish MMA fans could have experienced UFC and Pride. Like, oh, that was the God, best. It was yeah. so good. It was so oh. good. Like, the reason that, that that MMA even got enough buzz to go to that next step was because of UFC and Pride. And, and a lot of it was fan driven. People like debating who would who would win Pride versus UFC. Fights. I mean, it was so fan driven. And then you would have like the each one would have their own champion, right? And you would want to yes. match them up, and you would say, Fade "Oh, this guy's Vanderlei. way better," and all that. Yeah. And then like, and then like they were able to do that. You got to see a lot of those dream matches did happen, and a lot of the results were pretty surprising, honestly. Like 
I didn't ever believe that Gonzaga was going to beat Crow Cop and Force mm. was going to beat Shogun and all that other stuff. Like, there was a lot of surprising outcomes in that. I thought Dan Henderson was going to beat Anderson Silva and Rampage Jackson and lost to both of them. See, to me, like, I love the fact that Rampage beat Dan Henderson because it's like you can never take that away from him. Like, he did defend the title. He did beat a very legit fighter in his prime. Um, so, yeah, it's like to lose the four is like, ugh. That was me so, so much. unexpected. Yeah. yeah I, so thought, unexpected. I thought Rampage was going to kill Forrest. But then also Forrest choked out. Showing for shows out Shogun too, and it was like, what? Oh, yeah. like, I would mean, I would have put my entire house on the line for to, to say Shogun was going to kill Forrest, and it yes. didn't happen. So that was shoot a box prime days, and oh, that was yeah. Like yeah. when he was coming out to the cage, I was just giddy because I'm like, <laughs> you're gonna get killed, you're gonna kill Forrest. I'm like, run Forrest, run, and then I'm like, well, why is Shogun gassed? What is going? Why? Why does? Why does Force have Shogun's back? Like, what the hell is going on here? And, and I'm sure. Know. And I'm sure at that point you've already told all of your friends who don't watch Pride that this oh, is the yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah, me well, too. And they believed me because I was telling them that Rampage was going to knock out <laughs> Chuck Liddell, and they're like, "Oh, you're right, blah, blah. and then he did. So then they're like, "What's going to happen here?" And I'm like, "Oh, this this is a walk in the park. This is over yeah. already." And forget it. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's wild. Um, Good times, though, man. For sure, for sure. All right, so let's go into Will Ospreay. Like, I woke up this morning, and I was just absolutely crushed when I saw the news. Like, I I hate this for him. Like, he he has been busting his ass in that company for so long. He put on a bunch of mass and size to win the heavyweight title. And I also felt by putting on that size, he would be able to take the bumps better. He wouldn't get as injured. And just seeing him injure his neck on top of it, like he's had multiple injuries to his neck. He's 28 years old. And necks don't get better, man. Like they just don't. Necks and backs do not get better. Or if they do, so, it takes a long time. Right. Yeah. Well, but in pro wrestling, it's not going to happen because you're going to keep doing more damage. Like that's just what it needs just how well, long can you put up with it. Right, right, right. For sure. Yeah. You know, like in football too, like once a back goes and net goes, like guys' careers don't last much longer. It just, it just, it's the end. And like for me, like I'm not saying it's over for him or anything like that. I don't want to be that dramatic. First of all, we don't know how severe the neck injury is. It just, it's a bad sign. And it worries me too that New Japan isn't going to trust Osprey to be champion again because they're worried he will get injured again. And I just hope that that doesn't happen either. I hope that, uh, I'm hoping three to six months he's he's out and then he can come back and 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 do his thing because I think Osprey's a very special talent. I think that he's one of those Rob Van Dam types that can nobody can move like him at his size. Right. And uh, and not only that, he's just gotten so damn good. Like he's good on the mic. He's damn good in the ring. He doesn't have to do any high flying as much as he used to, to and he can still have great matches and. We got to see Osprey kind of get the ball at certain moments, but like if they were going to let him be champion and really go out there and deliver these huge caliber matches, I think that guy would have just kept hitting home run after home run, and it it just sucks. And I, I I feel for New Japan right now. Like they've had such a string of bad luck, and I don't know who you give the title to next. Like to me, it would make sense to kind of give Abushi the title back because he didn't really get a run. 
But at the same point, if you want something safe, you maybe go with like Jay White, who hasn't really had injury his- history because we heard Okada's banged up as well. So, what about Tanahashi? How's he looking right now? Yeah. I mean, I just he, he's one of those two that he, he, he can't wrestle that same style constantly. Yeah. I mean, I think he could hold the title for a couple of months, but I don't know. I'm just kind of trying to think. Honestly, I wouldn't mind if this would be the time to give Shingo the title or Ishii the title or, you know, any of those guys because, you know, why not? Right now you're, you got everything kind of on hold and just see what happens. So, but yeah, that was, that was tough news to see what happened to Osprey. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a bummer, but hopefully he comes back and he's still good to go. Like, and I'm not I'm definitely not going to blame his size on the injury, but like that does happen sometimes too in sports, where like people put on more size and then they become more injury prone. When you figure it would work the other way around, but like maybe yeah. sometimes their muscles don't adjust right to like your bone structure or whatever. I mean, in ligaments and all the things involved in the in his style of wrestling too, which is you know he's he's limited the the like crazy stuff to a degree, but he's still he's still he's doing all over the place, right? And he um, still is crazy too. He'll do crazy stuff in there. Yeah. And uh, as far as the next champion, yeah, I, I think, I think like if Okada, I mean, you're always gonna have your usual suspects like your Okadas, your Tanahashi's, your Naitos, those kind of guys. I don't think they'll go back to Naito because I feel like he's always kind of fallen flat as the champ. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, I can see them going back to Jay White, but once again, I've been watching the show, so I don't know if like people are hurt or unavailable, but. Um, I would love to see a guy like Hiromu Takahashi get a shot, but I know he's still pigeonholed probably as a junior. I doubt he's in that kind of conversation. Ishii is my favorite overall guy that they have. Like, I just love Tomohiro Ishii. Um, so if that happened to be the case, yeah, I just don't think it'll happen, but I would love to see it. Um, I think Shingo is probably the favorite as far as like, if you were to ask most current fans based on like the yeah. current, the recent body of work, I think most if Brandon, if you're still in here, I know you watch a lot of New Japan. Like, who do you want to see if you're still in here? Because I feel like Shingo is probably the probably the best choice given the, the options right now. Or or even Osprey just went. Him, he's had really close matches with Osprey as well, so right. it would make sense to have him at least like like I would say do him and Okada at that uh, stadium show that they planned on doing Okada and Osprey for the vacant title, something like that. Yeah. Um, but but who knows? They might do a tournament. I have no idea what they're going to do. And like I said, I need to find out more about Osprey's injury and all that jazz. So I mean, it should be a minute if I mean if they're vacating the title because if it was just going to be a couple months, you'd figure they'd keep the belt on him. Well, the moment that you see neck injury and immediately vacate the title, I mean, to me, that's that's awful. Like I, yeah. that sounds like a broken neck. That's, that's like a that's nine months to a year like. is how. It, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I, I don't, and I, they said that he went to the UK to immediately start to rehab. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But Brandon just answered it. <clears throat> Posted it for you. Says Shingo is probably the best choice right now until you can figure out what to do. Jay White as well, but COVID might hold him back. So he's still dealing with travel restrictions from the UK. I'm, I'm guessing is the issue there. So yeah. Yeah. You would know though, right? You know better than I would who the best option. And like I said, I think Shingo seems to be like a really good option for them right now. So yeah, and it's new, it's fresh. Like, why not? You know what I mean? And <coughs> if Osprey, if he's still champion when Osprey comes back, then they can run it back and just be like, you know, I never lost. I beat you twice. I 
you know, that's my <laughs> bell. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the, we had another guy coming to Impact, right? Yeah, I think it was Kojima. That's who it was. Yeah, it is. It uh, is yeah, Kojima. Kojima. Yeah. yeah. I remember they showed a video package. So, so far in Impact, we've had Kojima. We've had um, Finn and Juice, right? They just we lost had... the titles tonight, by the way. Did they? They did. Okay. So, so they did a match. It was Ace Austin and Madman Fulton for the titles against them, and they wound up retaining. And then Rhino, <laughs> you're like, you're be like what? Um, Rhino and Joe Doring came out and basically cashed in a cup that they had. So, anyways, it was basically a money in the bank type cash in scenario, but Rhino and Joe Doring uh, won the titles for them tonight. So, wow. And they're in a stay. They're in a group with Eric Young and Diener. It's like this whole. So, Eric so who's the champs now? Rhino and Joe Doring. Yeah. Cool. Joe Joe Doring's legit though. I I like him. Um, I don't know I, anything about him. He was the he was the champion in all Japan for like a few different times, and um, <clears throat> he looks. I mean, I, it's it's like low hanging fruit to make the comparison, but he looks a lot like Stan Hansen. He throws a lariat. He's got the cowboy hat, like the whole deal. Um, so him and Rhino are basically just two big, big, tough dudes together. Basically, is like the best way I can put it. But. Um, but the stable with Eric Young, Violent by Design, actually is a really good group. I think they've, they've been like one of the more heavily featured storylines on the show. Those guys. So well, it's kind of giving Eric Young something to do while he's got a torn ACL. So exactly, exactly. But yeah, I'm just saying, like you know, quite a bit of New Japan guys have shown up in Impact. So that's a pretty cool sign of things to come once the Forbidden Door is completely open. Yeah. Also, you know, um, I saw Don Callis is like he's done with Impact. Yeah. You know, he's just now an on-air character, and and that's it. Just with Kenny. Do you think that that's where his future lies? Is just Kenny's manager for the foreseeable future, or do you think that he goes to another company but does commentary? Or what do you think? I think he, I think he goes and stays wherever Kenny and or Jericho is at for the rest of his career. So, um, cause I think it's also possible at some point that Jericho winds up like being like, you know, owning one of these companies or being a part owner and one of these, you know what I mean? Like, I think that his career after wrestling will be in like an ownership role. I don't, I don't know why I feel that way, but I think he would be a good guy. It to, makes sense. It makes yeah. sense that he would get stock in AEW once he retires, yeah. help maybe, like, maybe become an EVP in right. himself because who knows if all those guys are going to stick around for the long term? I don't know. I'm just saying. Right. Well, um, I know that uh, Impact, at least the story from Jericho years back, was that Impact, when they were changing ownership, they had reached out to him about buying the company. And it yeah. was after he had left the WWE. And then he recommended Don Callis to those people. Right. Um, so there's already people in that world, in that space, that like see Jericho as a guy who could, you know, maybe be the, the president of their wrestling company and stuff. So I, so anyway, the, the point is that's down the road, but the point is I, I think that Callis is going to have a great career going forward because he'll either be in commentary. He'll be on air with Kenny or he'll do something in, you know, he'll, he'll be involved in some way, shape or form as long as Jericho and Kenny, I think are around. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, so 
very, very exciting news on my end. I don't know how you feel, but I am absolutely ecstatic that Davey Richards signed with MLW. I think that that I didn't is, see that. Was that today? That, that is confirmed, sir. He is signed with MLW. He was revealed as the draft pick for their legal draft pick lottery or whatever, and he will debut July 10th. And he has signed with the company. It's not like him just showing up for July 10th. Davey is with MLW. I love that. So, he's wrestling. He's wrestling like a half hour or so for me uh, pretty soon. I might go to the show. Go. Go. Tell him I said what's up. I'll be like, yeah, he's go not, and tell, tell he's him not necessarily. Picture. Yeah, exactly. He's not necessarily the most fan-friendly guy. You know what I told him? I told him, like, you're my Hulk Hogan. And he was just like – Oh wow! Yeah, thanks, man. Like, because because he because like I don't know. I was saying something about or something, and he's just like, yeah, I'm not as tall as him, and I'm like, dude, I don't care about height. Like, you're like my Hulk Hogan, and oh so yeah. yeah, him him reacting to that's probably it's even funnier to me because I've seen these shoot interviews where like I think yep. it was him and Kevin Steen in one of them, yep. and he's like reading tweets that. It was tweets that like like he used to have a Twitter account and then he yep. stopped using it and somebody else started tweeting and people thought it was still Acting him. Like it's him and it's like, and he it was wanted, like he's wanted to have the wolf's face beer money and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah, well, you buy wolf beer money just to reunite. Yep, exactly. <laughs> like he could give two craps. He's like, but man, he I, really, I really respect. I really respect Kane. <laughs> He did an interview and they were like, so Davey, you know, like, what's your goals and all this stuff? And he's like, to be champion. Like, I'm here. I'm here to be champion. I'm here to be nice. the best. And he's like, MLW fits my my style. It's more sports oriented. And that's what I think wrestling should be. And he's just like, I'm here to be champion. I'm here to be best. And like, if you look at uh, Court Bauer's Twitter, like, he's making a big deal out of this. It's not like he's just like, yeah, you know, we got Davey. Like, they're making a big deal out of it. So, to me, um, like, if we get Davey versus Jacob Fatu, like, yes, please. If we get Davey versus Hammerstone, if we get Davey versus Leo Rush, like, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I I welcome Davey with open arms. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, they got a lot of good talent there. It's a show that I cover weekly for Fightful, so, like, I'm very happy. Really? They should – well, it's a part of the Weekender pod that I do. I do like MLW and the Indies and Impact and stuff all as one show. Um, so I have an they MLW did, uh, segment. They yeah. go, they, they're going to Dallas live and they already sold their tickets way, 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 way back. And like they had like a VIP meet and greet thing and stuff. Like, dude, if, if those tickets went on sale now, like I would definitely consider going. It, it's in September. So get this too. Not only that, Money in the Bank is also going to be in July in Dallas. So, like, AEW twice in Texas, then Money in the Bank. Like, I'm not going to Money in the Bank. I'm just saying, like, there's so much stuff going on now. And it, it's just everything's starting to open up. So, and it sounds it sounds like uh, SummerSlam is going to be in Vegas. And Vegas yeah, is 100% that's, opened up. That's what so, I was hearing as well. Um I don't know how like and that might be public by now, but I was I was actually hearing Vegas as well for that. Um, yeah, that's be the great sign. So it's pretty much public. Okay, cool. I, I have not oh. been on Twitter much lately, so I I really am out of the loop. And then yesterday for MLW, I uh, <laughs> my birthday is this weekend, so 
me and a couple friends went up to uh, Dave and Buster's and we wound up drinking more and having more fun than we expected to that day. So we wound up, uh, well, I wound up missing MLW. I'm going to have to watch the replays. So. Okay. Is that on Vice like, like now? Huh? Oh, um, Is yeah. Is MLW on Vice now? I don't know what they show on there. They show some sort of programming on Vice now, but like their weekly show Fusion has still been on uh, on YouTube the hour before Dynamite. And, okay. and, one, and once a month they show a throwback show where it's like Jerry Lynn and like, you know, random people that have come through uh, MLW over the years. Well, man, it's so good. Like, you can get Davey and Tom Lawler. You can get Davey and possibly Low Key again. Like, there's there's a lot of great options. And they've got the younger, like, up and coming guys, too, that haven't ever worked with them or have, like, that. Are, like, they got guys like Jordan Oliver and Myron Reed and uh, yeah, I've Calvin, seen Myron Ta- Reed. Calvin Tankman. Um, they got a really good, like, Balances Forever, uh, Dominic Greeny and Kevin Koo. Both those guys are a great tag team and they work singles. Like, they got a lot of really good young talent there right now. Yeah, um, they said he'll make his debut July 10th, and that's supposed to be on Vice, right? I think so. I, I'm having a hard time keeping up with I think all that's this their, stuff, yeah. I think that's their debut. That sounds right. So, and I, I wasn't overly that interested in MLW, but the moment you sign Davey Richards, I'm in. I'm in. I'm find out everything I can. So, I love it. I love, you know, like, I didn't want him necessarily going to just work some indies that, you know, every now and then you could catch on a stream of whatever for nine ninety nine or, you know, like I wanted him to go to a company and I didn't think that impact was necessarily the best fit because like you said, he's going to immediately get merged with Eddie Edwards, even though he just had surgery on appendicitis or whatever, but Eddie? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't see that either. Okay. He wasn't on the show. SPW insider. You're out of the loop, Steven. There's a lot of stuff that's been going on. Dude, I am just so sick of going on Twitter and just seeing just seas of just outrage and stuff. It's like, I just don't care. Like, I'd just rather go hit golf balls in my spare time than... Well, than like, I saw, I saw on Twitter that Velveteen <laughs> Dream was trending, and, like, I didn't even want to click on it because I know that it's just, like... Uh, well, that that's different, though. Like, I'm okay I mean, I get it. it. Like, but getting, I, like, but no, I, yes. I get it, but it's like... <laughs> It's like people are just celebrating on the downfall of people. And I'm not saying he's a great person or anything like that, but like there's so many people that are waiting for moments to just sure. feed off of negative energy and just being able to like, yeah, man, who's next? And now we got rid of him. And, and then like, who's worse, him or Drake and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, dude, I, I don't care. Like it, this has been, it's just a mess. It seemed like a toxic place that has been going on over there. They got rid of the guys. Move on next. Like, we don't need to dwell on this stuff. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like, I just don't. Like, I think what, like, justice is being served. Like, I think the guy's done some stuff that, like, I don't believe all the speaking out stuff, but I do believe, I do believe some you know, a good chunk of it, too. You know what I mean? Like, and this is one, and there's well, a Well, I mean, there were screenshots, right? Well, no, no, no. That, like, yes, for sure. Well, that's the thing. Like, it looked very, from the outside looking in, it looked very, like, I'm surprised that it taken this long. Like, they, I feel yeah. like you would have been gone almost a year ago. Um, so, I think we lost, we lose Doug. Well, hopefully Doug pops back up into his own stream. I'll, uh, I'll take over for a few minutes, y'all. Steven Jensen here. Um, if uh, if y'all have anything you want to say in the chat, now would be a good time. Not necessarily a super chat. That'd be nice, but... Oh, Doug's got, back. We We're not too bad. Sorry about that. 
Um, well, that was a Steven show. He all he, yeah. He I guess I mentioned developed a team dream and they kicked me off of YouTube. Anyway, yeah, let's just move on from all that. Yeah, yeah so, we're, 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 we're on to something else. Um, let's talk about Nick Gage. Uh, yes. I know you wanted to hear my thoughts and stuff. Uh, so I think that we got spoiled with dark side of the ring. The first episode of Brian Pillman, because it was two hours and I just felt like Nick Gage needed more than one hour. Like I yeah. was totally like, but like, dude, I laid on the couch and was like, yeah, it's hard to watch some of that episode. stuff. Like yeah. some of it's really cringy and, um, but fascinating. Like I couldn't stop watching. I was like glued to my TV, but I was also kind of horrified by some of the stuff I was seeing. So it was just really, uh, it was really interesting. I don't know how I feel about him. Like, I don't know if I'm a fan, not a fan, whatever. Like, part of me, like, don't kill me, Nick Gage. Part of me kind of thinks he's kind of a dork. Like, he's kind <laughs> of like this uh, stuck-in-the-past badass. Like, he reminds me of, like, those kind of dumb kids in high school that are just always looking for a fight that aren't necessarily the smartest people in the world. And they're like, you got a problem, dude? Like, what's up? Like, that's kind of what you're... Are you calling him a juggalo? Are you calling him a juggalo right now? He definitely seems like he can come across as a juggalo. Um, But he's crazy, you know? Like, the fact that he was, like, completely bleeding out and wanted to continue the match, gets life-flighted, dies, and then comes back, you know? And then, like... He robbed a bank. He went to prison. Like, and then the his, the, the the story of his brother is sad. Like his whole whole family thing is really sad. And I don't know. I don't know. Like, uh, I don't know how I even feel about death matches in general. Yeah, like that's a whole other conversation. To me, it's like the way that they're describing it is they're working a match just like anybody else. Like I know how to take care of a guy. I know how none of that comes across in the match. You know what I mean? So that's where I have a a struggle with Like I almost view it as something different, like uh, how bare knuckle fighting is to MMA. Like to me, it's like death match does not seem like pro wrestling. Right. So there's a lot. I mean, this would be like a whole podcast in itself, but like with, so I'll give you, I have a lot of different perspectives on deathmatch wrestling. I, mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, what I think pro wrestling is really about, which is what you just kind of alluded to. It's the art of protecting yourself and protecting your opponent and putting on a believable, like kind of simulated fight. Right. Right. And there's no, magic in actually taking a pizza cutter and slicing someone's face. Like you actually are doing that. Like that's not a magic trick. That isn't like, even when you're watching a magician on a stage with like a deck of cards or whatever, and he might throw the card into like, I don't know, maybe someone has a trick where they throw a card and like sticks into someone's hand or something like that's not really happening. Like that's a trick with, with this. It's like, you are actually taking meat skewers and putting them in someone's forehead and then popping them into their head. And then they've got meat skewers hanging out of their head. Like, there's no actual magic to that, but right. there, but there is an art to it. If you're into it in that world, like there is a fan base for this stuff. That's yep. very similar 
to the fan base that I think would be really into like horror movies and the kind of stuff like because I'm not into any of that stuff like gore yeah, and blood and all that. But there is a fan base for it. And Nick Gage and John Moxley said it best, best. Nick Gage can create a a connection with the audience that the like like Vincent Man wish Moxley said Vincent wishes he has he had one guy on his roster that can connect with the crowd like Nick Gage can. Yeah, and and I've seen it myself. I've told you about it on this show before, but I've I've seen him in in matches before in Chattanooga, Tennessee, in a high school gym at a charity show where he was not allowed to do any of the stuff that he's known for, and he was the most over guy. It was like a sixteen man tournament, and he was the most over guy. The line of kids were all for Nick Gage. Like they weren't wow. they, they weren't trying to meet all the other guys, and a lot of these guys have been signed to the WWE. This is this is the same tournament. I can't remember the same year or not, but we had guys like like Darby and Janela and like all these guys are like big names on the indies that are like on TV now. Nick Gage, all the kids are on Nick Gage because the guy comes out and he's dabbing up everyone. He's throwing up yeah. his hands like he's, he's he's giving you hugs like, and you are immediately invested. Like if you didn't know about Nick Gage, you find out during his entrance, and yeah. so I totally respect it and I respect that world. But I, it is two ty- kind of different things. Like it, it is pro wrestling, but like I think you have to clearly distinguish deathmatch wrestling from professional wrestling. Like if you tell someone you're going to watch pro wrestling, but then that stuff starts happening, that isn't the same thing as watching someone throw a clothesline and, and do a hip toss and stuff. Like that's a completely different style of wrestling. Yeah. Um, and the people that are involved in it love it. And that's the other side of it is when I first started getting to know indie wrestlers and started like covering it to a degree or, or interviewing them or whatever. Yeah. I initially thought a lot of these guys were doing it because they were either like athletically, they weren't as gifted or, or um, they were pigeonholed by other, like they were doing it out of necessity and sometimes right. the case that is the case sometimes, but more yeah. often than not, these people are doing like this is their art. Like there are people that are that are turning down WWE contracts because they know they will never be able to do that that matches again if they if they sign. Like yeah. So so it's like they're the I, I am completely for it as long as the, everyone involved knows what they're getting into and the audience understands what they're watching. You know, and, and if do it is for you, you don't have to watch it. You know, just like anything. Do else. you think it would be crazy for AEW to have a Nick Gage John Moxley match on their on their show? No, but they couldn't do it the way you'd see it in GCW. There is a line. I know I that Moxley likes to, because it seems yeah. like that's definitely going to happen, right? Well, it's going to happen like in, GCW, in GCW for sure, right? Yeah. But I feel like it should happen in a bigger audience if you're going to do it. You know what yeah. I mean? But first of all, two things, right? How crazy is David Arquette to even think about going in the ring with that guy? The, like, the, the giant, giant balls for doing it, but he should have done a little more research <laughs> before yes. he got there. Like, I mean, that, that would be like somebody signing up with a match with New Jack that, that didn't know anything about wrestling or anything and, like, tried to almost be comical and disrespectful about it, like New Jack would hurt you. You know what I mean? All right. Like, Nick Gage is like telling you ahead of time, like what he's going to be doing to you. Whereas like, yeah. New, whereas New Jack was like bringing tasers and shanks and not telling his opponent and using them like that. Yeah. So there is a little, but I, I totally, I see what you're saying. 
100%. But, like, it did It did seem like that he told him he wasn't going to cut him, he wasn't going to do certain things, and then he gets the pizza cutter out, and then he gets the he, – he, he got the, the end of the, the light bulb that was broken and tried to sh- that, that's shatter it on his head. That's a fair point. Very fair point. And so – and that's what caused his neck to break – or his neck to get cut because that's where he freaked out because right. he's like, you're about to cut me again. True. So – I, I don't know, like uh, the the balls on that guy, and it's so funny too because the number one reason that fans hated David Arquette is because they thought that like he had absolutely no business in that ring, and he didn't pay his dues, and he didn't do anything, and he's like, okay, fine, I'll go wrestle Nick Gage in a death match. Like what? Like well, that's what I'm saying. Nuts. Like that's what that's why I think Cardone needs to do it. Like for that exact reason. Like that I, exact I'm with reason. You though. I'm with you though, like, like, but oh my god, like I know it's a totally different thing. <laughs> it, it, wow, <laughs> yeah. And then, I mean, John Moxley is just a different breed of a dude. Yeah. Like that, the idea that this guy was a WWE champion and walked away from all of it awesome. and wants to have a death match with Nick Gage at GCW and defend the the New Japan title and wrestle Kenny Omega in barbed wire. And fight like, Josh Barnett in Bloodsport. And fight Josh Barnett in Bloodsport. <laughs> like, what? It's awesome. It's the like, greatest thing ever, dude. No, it's amazing. It, yeah. it kind of reminds me of, like, what Foley kind of used to be in a sense of just, like, he was a main eventer, but at the end of the day, he still went out there and had this crazy hardcore style. And Moxley isn't having these crazy hardcore matches all the time like Foley. And Foley would just take unnecessary bumps like against the steel steps on his knees and all that stuff. But, like, it's wild to me that, like, this guy was just Dean Ambrose. And he was wrestling on pay-per-view. And, like, he was the WWE champion. He was part of the Shield. And now this crazy son of a bitch is is all over the place willing to go through death matches and everything else being AEW champion as well like they don't make people like him a lot like like the guy is like he turned down millions and millions of dollars to do this it's just it's wild to me but isn't that still kind of similar to what you're talking about Rob Van Dam you know what i mean like yeah. like you know like do you really not like that he's not reaching his potential in the WWE, or do you think it's way cooler what he's doing now? I think it's way cooler, but in a sense, to me, if Rob was going to do what he did, then I think he should have left the WWE a long time ago and just made his pass somewhere else. Yeah. Whether that was like Ring of Honor, TNA, whatever. I do think, too, whenever you establish your legacy in other companies, like that's where you become a legend, right? And so to me, it's like... He was he he had this crazy reign as the ECW TV champion. He won the world title in WWE. He went to TNA, won the world title there. Like overall body of work. He wrestled in Japan. Like to me, that that's amazing. And and for me with Moxley, that's what it's gonna be about too. Is like he accomplished it here, he accomplished it there. When you look at AJ Styles, it's the full body of work yes. that just is like oh my God, this guy's one of the greatest of all time. Like, But for Arvin, so, he never really hit that with the WWE is what he, kind of where your head is at. Like if he would have like be, been the man, established himself, then left and done his own thing, it would have looked different than him like 
being in the spot he was in, giving up the title and never really getting back to that spot and then kind of fizzling 100%. out. I see what you're saying. Sure. Yeah, like imagine if he was like in his peak and then he went to like ROH and like was wrestling, you know, Nigel McGuinness and and Davey Richards and Brian Danielson and all those guys, like that would have been wild. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So that's that's the only thing is it like he he started to just treat the WWE like it was just a business and he didn't really care about it. You know what I mean? So that that's the only thing that sucks. But we we beat that to to the to the nail in the end. Like I, I don't know what else to say about it. But yeah, like I, I just can't believe Moxley is willing to do some of the things he's willing to do because he's a guy that doesn't have to do it. He does it because he loves it. Yeah. So it, I love it. Just, he- you did an interview the other day where he was saying, like, I don't have the direct quote, but it was something like, I feel like crap, like, most yeah. of the day, almost every day, every week. But, like, when I feel the best is when I'm, like, covered in blood, my body's beaten up, and I'm walking back to the locker room. Like, and and I can, like, I under, not to the same degree, but I understand that kind of feeling, like, where, like, you did something that you feel really good about. Like, you feel totally, it's, like, fulfilled and satisfied, and, like, you get yeah. to sit back. And for him, his thing is he got like his bottle of Jack Daniels and a cigarette. And like that's that I bet you that one cigarette that he smokes, that is the outside of his family, of course, and the things he really loves. That's probably like the best moment of his entire week is that one cigarette after that match. Like that's probably his just like the pinnacle of like just feeling like I have I feel like I'm doing something that matters. You know what I mean? Like um, I think it's cool as hell. I, I think I, I think it's. I love that we're getting to see something like this happen. Um, and, yeah, it's, and it's, it's wild. Even, and it's 10 times cooler, like you're saying, because he has all the money in the world. He doesn't need to do any of it, but he loves wrestling. He loves the fans. And, like, he's trying to – that's what his legacy is going to be. Like, I think one day – if he stays on this trajectory, especially if he stays signed to AEW – I think people will be talking about him as an AEW wrestler. Like people will be like, yeah, he wrestled for WWE. He was the champion, but like he's, he's AEW. He's Indies. Yeah. Like he's like, yeah. like, he's like, he's for real. Like he isn't one of these quote unquote sellouts. Like he did it his own way and is ultra successful. So right. Um, I think, yeah, I really can't say enough good thing. I think John Moxley is the coolest. Like, I know it sounds very like juvenile to say, but I think he's the coolest person in all of pro wrestling right now. And I don't think it's even close. Yeah, I'm with you. And like, uh, like think about like when he was on that Stone Cold podcast, and Stone yeah. Cold was kind of ripping into him. And like, I remember him talking about like him having good matches on Raw and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? And then I was still mad at him for not going for it with the Brock match. Little did I know that Brock wasn't willing to do it. Like, right. I just thought he was taking the easy way out. And I'm just like, dude, this guy's a joke. Like I, I was not a fan of him by that time. And like what he has done since is just, it's crazy to me. And now he comes out to wild thing, which man with live crowds, they're going to sing yep. that song like major league style. And uh, yep. I think it's going to be awesome. Like Ricky Vaughn. It, it's going to like, that is something that if you're just tur- turning the channel, you know, and you see that, and you see a crowd just start singing wild thing while this crazy dude starts coming to the ring. It's going to catch your attention. Out you of the crowd. Like, Walking through this? the crowd while wild thing is. Like, yeah. It come from the entrance. Like, yeah. Right. So it's going to be like, what is this? You know what I mean? So I I, I, I love it. I love yeah. it. Same here. Um, 
So let's let's before I I forget, uh, I want to talk about my experience at UFC. Um, so I I don't probably I deleted the video so you won't be able to see it uh, about the Daniel Cormier thing. Went went to to meet Daniel Cormier with Bill. Bill right. thought there was going to be about twelve people there. There was about two hundred people there. If you, want to re- if you want to recap that real quick, I'm going to grab another drink and take a leak real quick. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I've, I've heard I've heard you. I'll, I'll be back in a second. But yeah, let yeah. them know. Yeah. So we got there. There was about 200 people there. But by the time seven o'clock hit, when DC was supposed to sign, then there was about I would say close to 700 people. I mean, it, it got the line just grew and grew and grew. And it was wrapped around the building. Um, I was worried that DC was going to wear a mask because uh, I really don't want to do meet and greets with masks on. I mean, the whole point is to see their face. And uh, he didn't have a mask on, but they did have us socially distanced for three feet. So, like, you're on one side of the table. He's on the other. Uh, gave him a fist bump. Told him I seen him fight live four times. He was uh, kind of blown away by that. And um, I got my picture taken with him. And then they like, you don't get to take your picture on a phone. You have to take a picture. Uh, and then they were going to upload on Facebook. They said it would be done by midnight. That thing was like three days later. It took, it took them a lot because they didn't expect that big of a turnout. Um, so when I, uh, went there, like it was a cool experience, but I was kind of like, it definitely feels kind of still like pandemic wise, like, uh, not, not what I thought it was, what it should be at this point. Um, so I wanted to meet Dana really bad. I found out that Dana was going to be on Thursday. DC was Wednesday. I found out that Dana was going to be on Thursday, like Tuesday, I think. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm off on Thursday. I'm going to go, I'm going to go meet him by myself. And what sucks is any of these places, you've got to go in like to the heart of downtown of Houston, which are like trashy areas and not necessarily the safest and there's usually not a place to park and it's just a mess but you do it anyways because you love these guys and uh i'm in line to meet dana and first of all the guy at little woodrow's the manager he's a prick he had this huge watch on you know and uh, they told me to wait if in in uh at the bar or whatever for dana the guy girl comes up to me asked me what i want for a drink i said i don't drink i don't want anything and then she left kind of like with an annoyed face because all those places do at a bar. If you say you don't drink, they're just like, why are you here uh, to meet Dana White? Um, but anyways, then the guy comes up, the manager, and he's just like, hey, bud, I run a business here. So if you're not going to buy anything, then I need you to wait outside. I was like, okay. I, I just came in because that's what he told me to. So I waited outside, um, and Dana was running late. Um, the line wasn't too bad, but they still had a bunch of people inside that were eating or drinking or whatever. So if you were just waiting in line, what they were going to do is let all those people go first because they are actually spending money there. And then the other people that weren't, that had to wait. So we waited and uh, I saw like a, a minivan pull up and I'm like, uh, oh, I hope Dana doesn't come out of a minivan. This is embarrassing, right? But it was like literally like six UFC security bodyguards that came out, right? And then maybe like 10 minutes later, uh, Suburban pulled up and it was Dana. And uh, he comes out, dude, and he's smiling. You know, he's he's doing this. He's saying hi to everybody. He sees like the first three guys, which I'm one of them waiting for him. 
He shakes all of our hands. Like he's Dana is not worried about COVID whatsoever when it comes to this meet and greet. Could care less. Like you would think it never existed with Dana. So he goes up there and um, like I've kind of blown away by how nice he was. Like he literally seems just as excited to meet you as you are to meet him. Like big smile, handshake. What's going on, bud? Like none of this like, okay, take your picture and go. Like nowhere near that, right? So I go up there. And I kind of have a planned speech in my head already, what I want to say to him, you know. And my philosophy is, and I've had this happen, if you're going to do a meet and greet, right, mm-hmm. first thing you need to do is take your picture. Say hi, be presentable, be nice, shake hand. But the first thing you want to do is make sure that you're good to take your picture. Because what will happen is, is they'll try to have you pose for a picture while you're talking, and then you'll have a horrible picture. So the first thing you want to do is take your picture and then you talk to Dana after. So, and then, and usually they'll listen to you after you're done and they won't rush you out. Right. So I take my picture with Dana and I just say like, been a diehard fan for 20 years. And like, I watched Tito and Ken UFC four. Well, I said, I watched UFC 40. And then he looked at me and he's like, Tito and Ken. I'm like, yeah, Tito and Ken. And he, and I was like, and then after that, I watched Pride Final Conflict. And I watched uh, Rampage and Chuck. And I remember you on commentary. And like, mm-hmm. yeah. I was hooked after that. Like, I, not just the UFC, the whole entire sport. And I've been a diehard fan ever since. And, and then I said, what I really want to thank you, though, is, is like, I really feel like you pushed these assholes to give our freedom back. Because if it wasn't for people like you, that really push to keep things going and to open things up and refusing to go to uh, half open stadiums or any of that stuff. Like you help push this thing through. And I was like, and I really think you're like an American hero for that. And I'm not kidding. And I almost got emotional and I patted him on the shoulder and he was just like, thanks brother, man. He's like, he's like, I love guys like you, man. He's like, I love, I love the fans so much. You guys give us everything. And uh, and so then I thought we were done and he was just like, hey, just let you know, like your first drinks on me. Like I gave I gave the the bar my credit card. He's like, I'm not. And I was like, oh, OK, thanks. He's like, I'm not kidding. He's like, first drinks on me. They have my credit card. I was like, oh, OK. And so then I noticed that literally after everybody met Dana, they went up to the bar and like they weren't charging anybody. Like Dana was paying for everybody in That's that awesome. place. So this was that Hooters, right? <laughs> It was at a place called Little Woodrow's. It, it's kind of like Hooters. It's a bar. Um, there's like four locations in Houston area, something like that. And DC was and Twin Peaks, right? DC was Twin Peaks. Okay. DC was okay. Twin Peaks. Little Woodrow's was a little bit more. It was more chill. Also, sure. while I was waiting for Dana, Lauren Murphy was just out and about talking to people. And uh, I just called her over while I was waiting in line. She took a picture with me. So she was super cool. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, like. Dana's amazing. Like Dana was awesome. He he gave everyone time. And then I guess I didn't stay long enough, but I guess he had to leave. But he went outside and still took selfies with everybody outside to make sure that everybody got a picture and then he left. So nice. I, I can't say enough good things about Dana. It was a great experience. Um 
And then, uh, what was it? Friday, I did nothing. Chuck Liddell was at a Hooters, but I've already met Chuck, and uh, I didn't want to go there. The one that killed me, though, was Derek Lewis and Lauren Murphy was at that same little Woodrow's that I went to meet Dana at. And uh, I wasn't able to go to that because my buddy Chris had flown in and we had to get him on Friday. And, you know, he's meeting with the family and stuff. He's chilling. I don't want to take him away from that just to wait in line to meet them. So we chose not to do that one. So Saturday I went to the event and we're just in line, really, really long line to get in for the prelims. So I was like, okay, well, that's a good sign. We're just in line, and uh, Bill actually spots. He's like, hey, who's that? People want to take pictures with him. And me and my buddy Chris look at each other, and we're like, dude, that's Gilbert Burns. Let's go. And I mean, immediately just went right after him. And he had had in his hand his uh, suit jacket, and he was with his girlfriend or wife. I don't know. And he was taking pictures with us, and then he had to go get tickets. And I was thinking to myself, like, damn, he's going to try to book right out of here. As soon as he got tickets, he called us back over to take pictures. So he was super cool. And then I was able to get that and then get back in line, no problem. So really happy to meet him because, you know, he's an up-and-coming fighter big time. Uh, fought for the title. He's going to fight Wonder Boy in July. So I thought that was a super cool thing to do. You never know when those live events there, like, there's people that you just get lucky and you get to meet. So he was one well, of them. I've, I've had that happen a few times. Like, I've run into – a. Like, I ran into Uncle Creepy, just, like, was, like, going to the bathroom, like, walking to the bathroom. He just, like, standing there. And, like, I mean, uh, uh, both uh, um, both Lima brothers, I've met both of them just completely randomly, just, like, at really? a UFC show, just at, just at the venue. Like, I've met both of them separately, though. Like, one was – wait, no, sorry. It was – I met – yeah, no, I've met both of them, actually, because <laughs> Douglas – Douglas is Bellator, but Diego is still with the UFC. That's right. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, just that kind of stuff. It's awesome. Like when you just yeah. randomly run into a fighter because they go to the show too. Um, yeah. Eric, I've talked about Eric Anders. Like I went yeah. to a show where he lost a fight, and then he was in the crowd with his family, and then he was still taking pictures with fans and like letting people get autographs and stuff, even though he had just lost a fight like minutes ago. Like that's yeah, like, it's pretty awesome. But anyway, you go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So you just never know who's going to be there. And, you know, I got this new, uh, I got the Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra. That thing is badass. It's got a crazy zoom and everything. And so every time I see a pop from a crowd and people swarm, I'd just be able to zoom in and see who it is. And like you see, you see Chuck, you see Matt Sarah, Kevin Holland, Derek Lewis, Gilbert Burns, um, and Dana, of course. Uh, and like, they all just are going up and taking pictures with people. Like I said, this thing felt totally normal. Like Matt Sarah is sitting at his seat and he goes up to the stands to start taking pictures with people. Nobody's worried about social distancing. Nobody has mask on nothing. It's just like all the way through. It's just feels totally normal. I felt like I walked into the past. Like it was crazy. Um, so but yeah, I, I didn't. I don't know why Bill Goldberg was there. I don't think he's from Texas, so like, I, I this is kind of weird that he picked that one. Uh, apparently, Chuck is a big fan of Tony Ferguson, so he wanted to see Tony fight. Um, but yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, prelim oh, prelims were cool. Uh, the first fight was decent. The one with the girl where she gassed out and just got destroyed in the end, where she was 
she's she was like from Kansas City. Like none of the prelims like really stuck out as like unbelievable fights, but you still felt there was one guy from Texas, Longview, Texas, who got a big pop and it had people invested, but like the, what I love though is is right before the fight they show a video of like uh the stories of like this guy's won seven in a row and this is on that and so like when they come out you know the history you know what's on the line you know kind of where they've been like one guy hadn't been in the ufc since 2015 and he got a shot after winning three in a row like so like there there's just different things like that that you don't pick up on if you're not like a smart diehard fan right so for Bill, who hasn't been watching in a long time, he can be able to watch stuff like that and, and get into it. So the UFC does a really good job of that, telling stories and, and explaining why these guys are fighting. And, and I, I love that. Um, but like, so, and I was telling you this, like the way that they opened the show was face the pain. Like 100%, <clears throat> the intro and everything was face the pain, just like, you do the da, 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 yeah, and they do the 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 co-main event and the main event, doing the two interviews and then going over the main card with the face the pain. Like it was just like the old school way. And I was just like, wow, they're going back to face the pain. That seems like crazy, right? But no, that's what they did. And then um when I found out when I rewatched the show, like, no, that's not how they did it. They showed the video package that we saw when the co-main event was about to happen. So it was a nice little introduction too, because it, it, it fired everybody up to like, okay, now the big fights are about to happen. Uh, just a couple of takeaways. I thought the Shane Burgos at Edson Barbosa fight was crazy. The yeah. finish was wild. I've never seen a delay like that. Like I, I it took me like, like it took me a while to register what had happened. Like I was just like, what? Like he just fell down. Like, is he okay? Like, I don't know. And where I was facing Shane's back was coming towards us. So right. I saw like the whole thing. And, uh, <clears throat> so for those of you listening, basically Shane, Shane Burgos got hit like Edson Barbosa hit him with an overhand, right? And he yeah. stood there like in the pocket, like looked, looked like everything was normal. And then just starts backpedaling right into the cage back first and just face plants. Like, out yep. cold like yeah even the commentators were all saying they'd never seen something like that before yeah it was wild so i was like wow that was <clears> interesting <throat> and like it was anybody's fight at that point like shane was still very much in that fight so um it, i i just uh i just was a little taken back <laughs> by that and uh yeah andrew's dead on about this Let's see if i can get this stupid mouse to work um, um the bob o'reilly song yeah uh, but like, I, I was blown away by that one. I was like, what the hell? And then, okay. What was your opinion on, um, the fight before Tony's fight that got booed out of the building? <clears throat> oh, the, uh, the Bontarine fight and Schnell. Yes. What about it? Like, did oh, I think I it was about everybody it? was, everybody was just like. You know, they're overreacting. That fight wasn't that bad. I don't know why the crowd is booing. <laughs> yeah. Like, because the crowd was even booing Dariush. You know what I mean? Oh, we we hated him because so so I'll explain kind of the thing. One for Schnell, 
you are kind of replacing the the Nate Diaz fight, like whether you like it or not. For Chanel or Darius? Chanel. Like you're on the pay per view because Nate got pulled. Like oh, that's why you got bumped from the prelims up to the main. Right. Line. I see what you're saying. Right. Gotcha. Well, and, and also because Shabazzian had to be pulled as well. Right. But just right. saying, like this was an opportunity that you were not going to get on pay per view, and you got it. Right. And then yeah, I got you. You could watch Chanel and just see like really fast hands, talented guy. And he just didn't want to really engage. Like he just didn't really want to commit to anything. He just went in there and basically sparred. And then this other guy is just throwing heavy hands at him and keeps connecting and trying. And so I think that's why the crowd was booing so much is this the fact that you could see the talent in that guy and he's from Texas and he just didn't, he didn't commit. He didn't, he didn't try to take advantage of his opportunity so to me, that's why he got booed. And with Dariush, like, look, at the end of the day, like, you can knock people out. We've seen you do it time and time again. You were winning the stand-up exchanges, and you just chose to take Tony down over and over again. And I'm not saying that that's not Tony's fault because the old Tony, in my opinion, doesn't let someone just take him down and hold him down like that the way that Dariush did. Like, I think Tony would get out of that stuff, but like you have to capitalize on your moments and you have to go out there and engage in my, in my opinion, especially a crowd like that. Like they were ready. Tony was so over, like very rarely do you hear someone's name chanted as they're coming to the octagon. And like Tony, like what happened in my opinion is when Nate got pulled, all Nate fans became Tony fans. Like yeah. they embraced Tony as the big time star. And in my opinion, Tony was the most over guy in that building. Like no, no doubt about it. And I just felt like Darius did not, especially the last round, he literally had him in the same position for almost four minutes. And like, the, even the crowd is like chanting, stand them up, stand them up. And he wasn't doing a lot of damage in it either. Like the advancements weren't there. Like it just was a frustrating fight. And that fight had the potential to be a really good fight and it didn't happen. And I think a lot of it is because Darius chose to have a safe style to get the win. I think people are just really big fans of Tony Ferguson. I don't see anything wrong with it. Darius, smart game plan, dominated him. Three rounds. No, it's, I mean it was, but like, it, like if you're attending a live <clears throat> fight like that, you no, want to fight. And no, I so get it. That's why. <clears throat> and then no, I yeah. mean, dude, he even was like, "I'm against the, this new Marxist ideology and all this stuff." <laughs> right. and still getting booed in Texas because of how he fought Tony. So yeah, it is what it is. And I felt bad for Tony. Like being there live, you can see Tony just like cussing and really upset with himself, like walking back and forth pacing, like, cause he just standing there. And I thought that he was going to talk to Rogan afterwards, the way that he just like wouldn't leave. And then they just cut it. He, he walked out. I was like, damn. Okay. Cause that crowd loved him, man. I wish he was, I, I would have loved to see him win and be able to talk to the crowd because man, they, they were loving Tony Ferguson. So yeah, and I even tweeted that like during the show. I was like, Tony, like this crowd pop for Tony is insane. Like, th- I mean, that was <clears throat> that was watching from home. Like, I could tell that he was the most over guy in the building, uh, probably for the entire night. Actually, he was probably more over than uh, old Aaron Chandler. Like, 
like as far as like the fans wanting one or the other. To another play, another thing too is I saw quite a bit of uh, um, Dariush's country's flag. There were quite a bit of people there that um, were from that country that were representing Dariush, and that's one thing that people don't understand when they go to the live shows. Like, dude, I. I was sitting next to people that had Brazilian flags and were speaking Portuguese. Like they were there for Charles Oliveira and a whole, there was a lot of Brazilians on that card. And I remember when it was uh, junior Dos Santos and Kane, there were a lot of Brazilians in the building for that fight as well. So they, they travel, they travel to come and support their, their fighters. Yeah, I think Dari I think Dariush is American, but he's he's his heritage is Iranian, I believe. I think I just I think I just found that real quick. I'm not sure, but like I know that he has that flag and like that, that there yeah. were a lot of people with that flag. So um the main event, man, like Chandler had an awesome entrance. I mean, to come out to NF and he was fired up and the crowd was really into it and uh, Oliveira, what was dope about his is like the lights all went green and like in the octagon, it almost looked like the Brazilian flag and uh-huh. it, it just looked really <laughs> cool. Like the, the way that they, the production of the show was really awesome. And dude, when Chandler had him rocked, that place mm-hmm. went ballistic. I was close. Like, so close. And he was right in front of us. Like I... I literally almost got teary-eyed because I'm like, oh, my God, Michael Chandler is about to become champion. Like, I've watched this guy from the ground up in Bellator, and I'm about to see this guy become champion. I was so pumped. And I was like, no, 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 no way, no way, no way. Well, and this is the thing, too, is, like, imagine how much of a dud that would have been if Oliveira would have took his back and just choked him out. Like, I get Chandler so much respect just for getting out of that bad position and really turning it on him. And and hurting him like he messed Oliveira. up trying he messed up trying to put him in that guillotine choke at the beginning. Oh, for sure. like, yeah, for sure. And Oliveira like he hasn't really lost a round in a long time, and like right. Chandler put it on him. So going into the second round, I'm like, okay, just don't get overconfident. But I'm feeling good now. Like Chandler has a shot, and I mean, within seconds, it's over. Like, when I'm and I'm thinking just like everyone else is probably like he's gonna tie him up and take him down, right? Like you're not yeah. expecting Oliveira to like go out there and box because he'd been getting picked apart. And I'm thinking Chandler's just about to try to hit him with some huge right hand or something, and it's and he's gonna rock him and then he's gonna take over and just boom, got hit, did this little roll because the the first shot that hurt him, he was all there, like he rolled backwards, but then dude, he just got a barrage and he caught the end of all of Charles Oliveira's punches full power to the head. And it just, it did him in. Well, and and they were like the damn. ones where like, oh, where Chandler's like moving away and Oliveira's like chasing him. Like those are always bad too, where you like catch him with like yep. the full extension while they're not yep. even like, they're like not even seeing it coming. I mean, that's, and Chandler's yeah. one of those guys that he, I don't want to say panics, but like he doesn't embrace the fact that he's rocked. Right. Like he Mm. still tries to have fast movement. He still tries to do things which always makes it exciting, but it's not always the smart play. Right. And uh, like you should be going for the tie up. You should be doing other. Instead, he's he's running away, but he's also trying to throw like it just it doesn't work. And he he got finished. It's 
And I'm not, I, dude, I swear to God, I've been to a lot of places live, right? The, the pop that that, when Charles Oliveira won, the pop that, that happened at that moment, it's one of the loudest pops I've ever heard live. And, and they were, they were pro Chandler. So that's pretty amazing. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. But it's one of those things I was pro Chandler, but I also witnessed greatness. And right. I also witnessed someone achieve their dream. And I saw someone, I saw a fight completely flip. Right. So just like this, the spectacle of it all. And, and I got, I remember him finishing him and the lights were flashing and it was like this eight second roar that was just like, <sighs> And then I, you were just like, <laughs> and then, you know, it's over. But like, God, it felt so good to be in the crowd. Like I felt my soul was fed. Like, oh my God, I feel re rejuvenated and I can't wait to go to the next live show. And like, I, I'm ecstatic to go to AEW and all that. Like it was, uh, it was incredible. So I guess now it's like, uh, oh, and then real quick, so we kind of determined, decided that we were going to go meet Valentina Shushenko after the fights because it was at that same place where Dana was at, Derek Lewis was at, Lauren Murphy was at, that same place. Um, and it was like four minutes away from the arena, four miles. So it's about 11 minutes. So I was like, why not, right? Yeah. Well, I was worried because her sister lost. And they were supposed to be the sisters, not just Valentina. And I was worried they were going to cancel because, you know, she took some elbows to the head. This is the, the sure. night of the night of the show right after the night of the okay. show. They were supposed to have an after party gotcha. at Little Woodrow's. So I was worried that they were going to cancel. And I was just like, damn, you know, because she lost. And when I got there, it was just Valentina. Her sister was not there. And so I was I was fine with that. I was worried that Valentina wasn't going to be there either. So, anyways, I got to meet Valentina. She was super nice. Well, that's all that matters, um, really, right? I mean, like that, that's all. Dead, yeah, right? yeah. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> yeah. upset about it at all. Um, she was super nice. Like no restrictions, no masks. You could hug her. You could put your arm around her, or whatever. Like super cool. So, all in all, I ended up meeting like four fighters and Dana. I went to the UFC with great seats. I had an unbelievable time. I love going. Whoever says that going to a live UFC is not this, it's not that good of an experience and it's just as good on TV, if not better, because you can see everything, they're a liar. They're a liar. That they or they have really bad seats. One or the other. Like if you go Dude, to I've UFC, had really bad seats and still had an awesome time. It, yeah. It, the, the environment's incredible. Yeah. You can still see it on the screen above them. Like if your 100%. seats are that bad, like it's about, it's about the atmosphere. Yeah, for sure. It's the nervous energy too, where no one knows what's going to happen, but they know something's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, and you it, were there. Like if something you were there, happens, you were there. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I've seen Matt Sarah knock out George St. Pierre when he was like a huge underdog. Yeah, and I mean, I've seen some wild stuff. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, so like it, it's unbelievable. You never know what you're going to see. You could see an absolute terrible card. You could see one of the best cards. You see one of the greatest fights. I mean, I've seen Diego Sanchez, Gilbert Melendez. It's one of the greatest fights live I've ever seen. Yep. Um, like, <clears throat> I don't know. It's amazing. I definitely recommend going. If the UFC is coming to your town, you should go for sure. And I've never been to a fight night. Like I've only been to UFCs. I've only been to UFC um, pay per views, and I've been to 
two strike force events and a Bellator. I went to Kimbo and Dada. Yeah. So, yeah. But I definitely recommend going to a live MMA event. It's unbelievable. It's yeah, an awesome for sure. experience. For sure. Um, and then, I mean, as I would imagine that Olivera's next challenger is either going to be, they're either going to do him and Gaethje or they're going to wait out Connor and Dustin. And then that'll be the next one. I'm guessing how after seeing Oliveira hurt from Chandler's punches, like what do you think of chances for Dustin Poirier for Connor for Justin Gaethje? Like what, what do you think the chances are to beat him? I think out of everyone in the division, I'd probably have to look at the top 10 just to be sure. But yeah, I'd say I think the only person that I think has like a real good chance of beating him right now is Connor. I think that's it. Yeah. Um, Why do you think that? Because I think Connor can can sleep in. Um, But. But I mean, the moment he gets Connor's back, it's over. Oh no, I'm still thinking Oliveira. Like if I'm like betting, like I'm, yeah. I, I think Oliveira beats all these guys. But I was saying that before. Like um, uh, Andrew Reed in the chat asked if Oliveira defended the title like five times. If him and Habib would be interesting, I was interested in Habib and Oliveira while Habib was the champion. Like I've been on the Oliveira train for a minute. So like, yeah. So I, I think he beats all these guys, but I think the person who has the best chance is Connor because I think Dustin can catch him too. I think Gaethje could catch him too, but I think Connor has the most potential to actually finish him. Um, yeah. So that's really all I can. But I think Oliveira has the skill set to beat all. Like if Oliveira gets any of these guys on the ground, it's a bad day for all of them. And he's proven that he has the power to knock out guys like Michael Chandler too with his fists. So that's, do you know that Chandler's never been submitted? I didn't know that, but I mean, now it makes sense because I can't remember him ever being submitted. He's yeah. been—I remember him getting TKO'd by Pitbull not that long ago, though. But that was oh, a TKO. He, I don't even know if that was a TKO. That was damn near just a flash knockout game over. Like he got hit behind the ear and it was over. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't really consider him that hurt. But it was just one of those like immediately down. You know what I like about Chandler though is like his fights are just wild. They're just wild and crazy. They won't probably last that long anymore. It's it's either you're gonna finish him or he'll finish you. Like it, 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 it that's why him and Justin Gaethje. That's the fight. Be, that's the fight. Would yes. be crazy. Yes. But then this is my thing. If you want to still build Chandler, I think that's a terrible fight to make. I, I think yeah. Chandler and Darius is the fight. I, I think it's more of a get as much out of Chandler as you can while you can type situation. Cause I don't, I don't know. Like he proved he can hang obviously. I mean, like he was mm-hmm. like one punch away from beating Oliveira for that title. And, but I think cause here's, and here's the thing, like Andrew Reed is saying in the chat, I just, just cause I was going to kind of go this way anyways. The reason Gaethje would make sense is only if Oliveira is trying to stay active until the winner of Connor and Dustin, because with Connor and Dustin, not just Connor at this point, Dustin too, to be fair, both those guys will negotiate before all their fights. So like, and and so it can be months at a time before they actually get stuff done. So similar to the John Jones thing at heavyweight, like everyone wants to see him fight for the title, but they're already got Derek Lewis ready. They got Stipe ready. Like they got people ready because we don't know. So I think that Gaethje makes the most sense if they need a fight for Oliveira right now. But like rankings wise and everything, 
ultimately, I think the winner, the, really the point of this is, I, I think the winner of Connor and Dustin will get a title shot. It's just a matter of, will they fight Oliveira or will Oliveira have to defend the title once before he fights the yeah. winner of those fights? So, so what do you, what do you think though, Gaethje? Like, what he's just lost to Khabib, and that's it, right? Like, so I mean, what yeah. what what would make him get a title shot? Is my question. Like, why would he get a shot over? Because there's nobody else in the division who's. I mean, honestly, or Darius, he'd be the only other option probably. Darius is ranked number three now. Yeah, which I think is kind of insane. If I'm being but honest, holy think, boring yeah. build up. Like one guy doesn't speak English, the other guy is about as boring as it gets. Like I feel like that that would be a tough sell on pay per view. Yeah, like I mean, in a perfect world, and I hate saying this because like I want to see Oliver active because I'm a huge fan. But like in yeah. a perfect world, he sits out for a second. Connor and Dustin fight. The winner of that fights Oliveira. We do Chandler and Gaethje. And the good thing with that is even though it really hurts the loser, the winner is right literally that you can be that's a more contender. Like you're you're either yeah. gonna be next title shot or you're gonna be having to like prove you're still in the top ten after that. Um to me, if you want to capitalize on Chandler like still possibly being a potential guy to be a title uh contender, I think you give him Darius. If you want to get rid of Chandler and just like make him lose two in a row and all that, then I think you give him uh, Justin Gaethje because I think Gaethje is yeah. a terrible matchup for Chandler. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of ways it can go with some of this stuff too, though, because like one guy, there's actually a couple guys, but like one, like RDA is still in the mix. Like he's right on the outside of that top 10 or sorry, the top five. And he's a former champion. And like, he would yeah. match up interesting against some of these guys too. Like, cause if he did like RDA and Chandler, like that's a winnable fight for Chandler and he'd be yep. beating a former UFC champion. It would still be a big fight, but I don't know if you're necessarily number one contender if you win that fight, you know what I no. mean? So, but, but then that would probably <laughs> set him up for uh, a Darius or something like that. If you did that, um, the only problem for Chandler is he's literally starting at the top. So like, yeah, I agree. so there's only, you're not, you can't just constantly be sitting there at number right there to get another title shot. So either, I think at this point, he either needs to be fighting Gaethje and like get another title shot or he's going to get, you know what I'm saying? Like he's starting, no, not many people start right at the top. Where, what's Paul, what's Paul Felder uh, ranked? He's ranked number nine and dude, Paul, Paul Felder, I think I hate saying I think he's so overrated, dude. Like I <laughs> yeah. like I like I I think he's an exciting fighter, but him giving people advice on commentary sometimes I'm like, maybe you should take your own advice because like I've seen you get hit by that. Like, like that's yeah. like the stuff that you're talking about. But like he he recently said so the, the real X factor right now in the division is Islam Makachev because like no one wants to fight him. So yeah. and and apparently they offered Felder Makachev and Felder said he'd rather watch paint dry and stay retired than fight Makachev. And, yeah. and for me, I'm like, I get what you're trying to say. Like you want an exciting fight, but I think you're also admitting this dude would just destroy you on the ground. Yeah. So, so uh, there's that intangible too. You got Dan Hooker in the mix, but he'll only have a certain ceiling with these guys ahead of him because of like the Chandler knockout and stuff. But it's Man, uh, if you're the if you're the UFC and you want to get rid of Tony Ferguson, just give him give him Mike Chubb or whatever. It's over. Yeah, well, I think Tony Ferguson's gonna get like uh, maybe like run back him and Kevin Lee or something. You know what I mean? Give him someone yeah, like I, right I outside of the top. Of that, 
I even thought of that, but then Kevin Lee's talking about staying at 170 and fighting Mike Perry and all this other you stuff. You know what? That like, might be good for him, though. That weight cut, I don't oh, think, is sure. a great thing. So I agree. Um. So, but also, I mean, like Gregor Gillespie, like you'd maybe do him and Ferguson yeah. or something. I mean, there there's guys right outside of the top ten where he can, if he can still beat those guys. Like we know Ferguson is still legit, and he. But if he starts losing to the guys outside of the top ten, and then he's now on like a five fight losing streak or whatever it winds up being, then it's, you know, you got to start having that conversation about, with your Dana. What about Chandler RDA and Gaethje Dariush? No, I'm fine with that. Sure. I think I think that would make sense, and then you could still have hope for Chandler in the buildup if he could win it, to to be one of the next contenders. And Dariush would be one of those guys that if he's legit legit, then he beats Gaethje, and then he's too good to where you can deny him a title shot. But if he loses to Gaethje, then you've kind of solved your problem and not have to worry about giving a boring guy a title shot. Not saying boring as a style, but just as a personality and everything else. Because at the end of the day, they do care about selling pay-per-views. It, it is it is wild that he jumped over Chandler and McGregor in the rankings, yeah. in my opinion. Like people but can do what they want seven about in a row. He's won seven in a row. That's yeah, but never to I mean, Ferguson's his biggest win, though. We don't even know how good Ferguson is at this point. You know? So like but I mean, also like Oliveira got a title shot because he beat Ferguson. But he was also like he has the record for most submission wins in the division. Like he no, has no, like I, you know his resume is like he deserves. Usually, when you beat Tony, Justin Gaethje got a title. Yeah, sure. Very, a, very valid. I mean? Very valid point. Very valid point. Um, so usually Tony used to mean that, but not no when more. We, you say used to. That was like a year and a half ago. <laughs> like, I know. Like that was fast. The um, guy went from winning twelve in a row to losing three in a row. And that's the real travesty, right? Is like he never got a shot at the actual championship. He was stripped of an interim title that he never lost. Like he really in the circumstances of, I think Khabib would have just washed him. Especially after watching that, like couldn't stop the takedown, couldn't get out of position. And I had my suspicions based on the Kevin Lee fight. Like if Kevin Lee can get you in that position, what will Khabib do to you? You know, people forget Kevin Lee won the first round pretty big. Almost finished him. He was like full mount. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. Didn't he eventually catch him in a triangle? Wasn't that how that I, don't, I just remember Kevin Lee has always got hurt, gassed, yeah. and then got finished. Like, it, it happened. I mean, honestly, Kevin Lee was doing better against Oliveira than a lot of people. Like, he wasn't getting destroyed. You know another guy who I think could possibly be have that Oliveira path is Edson Barbosa. At featherweight, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just because it's like he's a guy that's been around forever, yes. and you just don't even think of people that have been around that long to be title contenders. But this happened with Jorge Masvidal. This has now happened with Charles Oliveira, and I feel like a guy like Edson Barbosa could also be in the mix. Happened with RDA as well. Yeah. So um, it's like you just never know. That's why the sport's so good because in boxing, they'll immediately ride you out after you've lost like three. And so Bar- it's, go ahead. Hey, Barbosa is sitting at number eight at featherweight now. And that's yeah. that top 15 is my favorite top 15 in the entire sport. Like we, I'm just going to run through it real quick. Like just to put into perspective, all should we do from number 12, Bryce Mitchell, Sadiq Yosef, Jiga Jukasey, then you got Edson Barbosa, Dan Ige, Arnold Allen, Josh Emmett, Calvin Cater, Korean Zombie, Yair, 
Ortega, Holloway, and Volkanovski. Like that is just a such a stacked. I would love to see Edson and Yair. I think that would be awesome. I'll take Edson against any of these guys for because the thing with Edson is no matter if he's completely outmatched or what the Silas matchup is, doesn't matter. He always has a chance because his kicks are so lethal. Like, yep. I mean, he kicks you in the leg a few times. That's a total game changer. He kicks you in the head once. It's probably game over. So, yeah. um, but I mean, yeah, I want, yeah, I, I like that idea. Yeah, they got to figure out what's up with Yair, though. He's been out for a while for, like, personal Well, Zabit stuff. apparently wants to retire. Zabit Magomedsherapov wants to retire. Wait, I don't even see him in the... I didn't yeah, see his he, name in the rankings. He basically said he's giving up. He's, he's Wait, not fighting anymore. What? Yeah. I totally missed that. What? Yeah. No. Yeah, he, he's, he's not in the rankings. Done. I was yeah, like, I was he, getting confused as I was reading that. Yeah, the beat's not on there. What? I think he retired. Another one would be nice is uh, Barbosa and Calvin Cater. I'm down for that all day for sure. Calvin Cater's yeah. man. What I really want to see is Calvin Cater and Korean Zombie. Oh yeah, <laughs> Korean day. zombie versus American zombie. Like that's that's All where I'm day. at. Yeah, um, that's such a shame too because they've tried to make Zabit and Yair so many times and like it always fell through. But like that's been the, like the true number one contender fight for a while. Um, yeah, but like Zabit yeah. just said basically like I'm tired of the politics. I'm tired of this stuff. Like I don't want to fight anymore. Damn. That's it. Damn. So hopefully yeah. Josh Emmett will be back soon. That dude's an animal. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Arnold Allen and Bryce Mitchell. I've liked both those guys a lot. Like, it's, man, love that division. But anyway, um, point is, Edson Barbosa is number nine in that division right now. So that's okay. that's a good place to be, especially with his name value, his UFC history and everything. If he wins, we like, have, one more uh, big fight. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, if he wins one more big fight, we could be talking about him as a contender because Volkanovski and Holloway are already, like, chipping away at, like, mo- beating most of those people that are, like, in that mix. So. Who do you have in uh, Cody and um, uh, Ige? Cody Garbrandt and Dan Ige? It's uh, Rob Font. Rob Font. Sorry, why am I thinking Dan? Because you named him off. That's yeah, he was. Yeah, but I got you. Um, <clears throat> I've got Cody, but dude, I mean, it is a tough mm-hmm. one to call. Like Font, Font probably has more Font's ways tough. to win. He's tough. He probably has more ways to win. But with Cody, the way I look at it. And it's really not even probably the best way to look at it because, like, I probably should look at it, like, technically speaking. And if yeah. I was looking at it that way, I'd probably go font. But just knowing, like, Cody, what was the last big knockout at Sun Sal? Was that the one where he, he was, like, up against the cage and just, just cleaned his clock yeah. right at the end of the round? He went, like, down and just came around. Right. And that was it. it was na- and the one before that was when he lost to Munoz. But, like, they just bit down on the mouthpieces and just swung until someone fell down. Um, which was a lot of fun to watch, but didn't go Cody's way. And the only other losses I think he has are TJ. So this is a long way of getting to basically saying that <clears throat> Cody, after that knockout of a Sun Sal, he was supposed to drop down and fight Fig for the uh, for the flyweight title. But yeah. now that Fig and Marino fought to a draw, they have to run that yeah. back. So now, yeah. So I think Garbrandt's back is kind of against the wall too because it's like, this win right here over Font is the key to him either getting going back down to getting a title shot or potentially being back in the mix at Bantamweight. So, like, there's a lot riding on this for Garbrandt, and I'm going to take him to, like, rise to the, the occasion. You know, I 
as as much as as limited as I think he might be in certain aspects of his game, I can't fully forget what he did to Dominic Cruz either. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, which is so, a guy that's just as technical <laughs> as it gets, and he just just outsmarted him. He was like dancing like, on him, man. He was yeah, like, yeah. Like he he was he had his timing down. Like TJ's the only one to make him look real bad. And yes, and and he he also lost to um, Munoz, to the other guy. Yeah, yeah. But to me, TJ, because he fought such a, he fought such stupid fights against TJ. Like the moment that well, and Munoz, he felt, it was literally like let's bite down on the mouthpiece and just yeah, swing, start yeah. swing. Yeah. So I I don't know. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. Cody's Cody is such a uh, he's a he's an enigma to me. Like you just never know what you're gonna get. Um, did you ever watch that I mean, video I sent you, by the way, of Cody reacting to that dude telling yeah, him to come after his? That was funny. I did. Like he, had, he had to register in his brain. Like, what What did he just say? And he wasn't me? laughing at all. And then he's like, am I, am I still mad? Or is like, am I scared? Like, what? You know? Oh, Do you remember that guy, too, that used to challenge Cody? I don't know who he was, but like, they like, he would challenge him and he would like want to beat him in the gym. It was like this social media fight that they had. And like, Cody was all about trying to fight him. I don't remember. It was just some random guy. But like Cody, no, like dude, it was just some guy. It's like some some guy, some bodybuilder who thought he was a tough guy, and he kept challenging Cody. And Cody <laughs> like flipped out and wanted to fight him. Okay, but I I don't know. Um, Corey wants to know who we think is going to win between Cyborg and Leslie Smith. I mean, Cyborg, I Cyborg all day, every day, like. I do think, though, that age is eventually going to catch up with her. And all of a sudden, it's just not going to be the same. But I don't think Leslie Smith is the one to do it. Yeah, I agree. And I then um, what, do you, what do you feel about Clarissa Shields and Kayla Harrison both being in PFL? Because to me, like, <laughs> if there's going to be, like, two possible threats up and coming, I feel like both of them – are, are those girls, and yet PFL is garbage to me. I think that the PFL needs to do that fight as fast as they possibly can. I think that yeah. it, but it, it's contingent on how how Shields looks in her debut. Yeah. So um, I think Harrison's going to smash her either way, yeah. but I think the money needs to be made while it can be made off of that market. Well, what do you what do you think about something like Harrison versus uh, uh, Amanda? I think it's actually an interesting fight. Like I think yeah, Kayla Harrison is go for the she's going to go for the takedown. She's going to go for ground and pound. Like it's yeah. a different animal that she's not <clears throat> facing. It would also depend on if Nunez would be willing to to put on another ten because I don't know if Harrison would ever go down to one forty five or not. Um, yeah. but it, so here's that. So that's the other thing. If Harrison can safely make 145, like that's super interesting. There's or, no way that she's <laughs> going to the UFC ever if she can't make 145. Like 135 is one thing, but 140. If you can't make 145, it's not happening. Well, I would say that too. Except like the only reason the 145 belt even exists at this point is because Nunez still holds it. Like if yeah. she was to vacate that title, they'd get rid of the division. The division doesn't even have, doesn't even have ranking. I mean, to me, um, you just do a super fight at a, at a catch weight, but I just, I just don't think you can have a 155 division for one fighter. 
I mean, that's what they did for Cyborg too, though. I mean, that was like the. Whole I mean, thing. I get it, but that's two weight classes instead of one. Like, I'm I, saying, I just you would have see Dana doing it. I'm saying, like, this would be a scenario where you know, if like they wanted to do a 155 and the 145 was totally washed out, and they did, they basically had that gap from 135 to 155 or something. You would just you'd eliminate 145 completely, or or you'd eliminate 135, and they could all put on another 10 and not have to cut. That'd be fine with yeah. that too. Um, yeah. but. But the, the the point is, I guess, really more so that I think Kayla Harrison does have a lot of star potential. I think she's by far the biggest name. Like, in like PFL has bigger names as far as, like, you, people know Verdum and Pettis and Ward yeah, McDonald yeah. and that stuff. But, like, right. the face of that company is Kayla Harrison. Yeah. And she has been nothing but totally dominant. So, like, you know, I, I, I just don't think there's any way Clarissa Shields can – like she might be able to catch her, like you know, she she got punching power, of course, and she's gonna have the hand speed. But I just don't think there's anything you can do to catch up grappling wise to make it even competitive. Or once Kayla grabs you, and you're they're just she's not gonna have an answer for it. I don't think. So yeah, that would be an interesting fight. I mean, to me, that's almost like the Gina Cyborg of Strike Force. If they if they both were like, let's say they had, you know, let's say Clarissa Shields wins like three or four fights, and they mm-hmm. gets to fight her for the title or whatever. Like, I think that would be an interesting fight to do. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens because the other cool thing that it's interesting with uh with Kayla because. PFL has given her permission to also fight elsewhere. So like, yeah, you know, she, she tried fought, to fight Invicta or whatever. Well, she did fight in Invicta. And then there was another, there was another company she, she was supposed to fight for, but then her, something happened with her opponent. I think it was like Titan FC or one of those companies. Yeah. But, but the point is like PFL is willing to like lend her out so she can stay active and fight other people outside of the PFL season. And then at some point she's just not going to be under contract anymore. Or, or yeah. I mean, she can, she can keep ex- she can keep extending if she wants, but you know, if she builds her name value enough, she goes into free agency, Bellator and the UFC, I think are both going to be, would be wise to, to give her a big offer because I really, she's well, very, the very interesting thing is too, is and they Bellator would be all about her and cyborg. In my opinion, if they I think she would do that. She would be a nightmare for cyborg. I think I agree, but I think cyborg, <laughs> we've never seen cyborg at 155 either. So I right. think that would be interesting to see True. if she even had more power. So, um, but yeah, the interesting fights in the female division outside of the UFC, uh, the divisions aren't there, but there are some prospects that are, are definitely there. <laughs> I, you know, um, in a perfect world, I'd like to see Clarissa Shields get built up. You know what yep. I mean? Because I want to see – because I think she could be really entertaining at, in MMA. I would almost rather have her built up and then go to the UFC and never I mean, face Kayla Harrison. Right, but that's the thing is, like, if they're both with the PFL, like, the PFL is a business. Like, I think you're really stupid not to make that – just make it happen while people care. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I just don't know if that's the smartest thing to do if you're – invested in both their Clarissa Shields future because that mm, that's a tough one yeah I I totally get you yeah for sure man did you see did you see what's going on with the Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder fight yeah Yeah. how uh, wild yeah the way I understand it is Fury and Joshua were signed to fight in like a few months and because 
I understand that there was a clause that they had to do, they had to run back the trilogy if Fury won the rematch, which she did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the way I also understand it, I could be wrong, but this is like my brother and other like people actually follow boxing kind of telling me that, but apparently Fury had like, had rejected the rematch over and over, or sorry, not Fury, um, Wilder until basically until the Joshua fight got announced. And now he's trying to pull the contract thing on him where it's like, you had yeah, all this time I don't to know make if it that's happen. true because to, to me, it was just like Fury just said, no, I'm not doing it because this guy's just making up the most ridiculous excuses right. and I'm not going to take part and he's not going to get another shot. And so that's why they took it to the courts. Right. But like Wilder had never been out and about being like, I want this fight. I want this fight. He'd just been dead silent because he okay. had embarrassed himself with all the excuses that he made. Right. The body that, armor he, being heavy. The body armor, shit, yeah. the drink, the, the, the gloves, the gloves wraps like, or all whatever, yeah. everything. Right. So Tyson Fury was just like, I'm not dealing with this bum again. Like I'm, I'll just move on. And then like the judge <laughs> ruled in Wilder's favor and Wilder said that the only way I'm not taking the fight is if you give me $20 million. And Tyson Fury was like, you can go to hell. Yeah. I'll just, be, I'll just beat your ass. And so. Which I think will happen, by the way. I think Fury will. What's crazy, though, is like this fight was dead. It was deader than dead. And now they already have it announced in July. And you're like, what? Like, Wait, so they've announced the trilogy for Fury and Wilders in July now? Yeah, it's happening. Oh, okay. It's deal. But so is, is he still supposed to fight Josh? Is he still supposed to fight Joshua in like August or yeah. whatever? He can fight Joshua next, but Joshua now has to fight probably his mandatory and not be able to fight Fury. So, um, what a yeah, mess he, for he, boxing, dude! Like, dude, if, boxing if if, is it such a a sham of a sport right now? It's embarrassing. Honest, like, in, in, <clears throat> this is an honest question. Is because this, from the outside looking in, I feel like Tyson Fury's title means a lot more than Anthony Joshua's does. So, like, I don't know if that's the truth or not, but, like, I feel like Fury's on this other level. And, like, I've seen Joshua get knocked out by Ruiz and stuff. You know what I mean? It's yep. like, I don't yep. I don't see I, – I know they're both the, the heavyweight champions, and, like, this is the chance to finally unify the belts. But yeah. I feel like Tyson Fury's so much better than Anthony Joshua is. But Yeah, I mean – Joshua is everything that you'd want on a poster, right? Like he's, he's, got the he's body, from the UK he's also, the right? He's from the UK. Yeah. Um, Eddie Hearn is his manager mm. and Eddie Hearn is definitely yeah. trying to protect his investment. Um, <clears throat> he got overconfident with the Ruiz fight. He paid for it. It was his first fight in America too. And he, it was a massive square garden and he got finished. <sighs> And then he got the rematch, and Andy Ruiz came in overconfident. Right, he yeah. was really heavy <laughs> and fat, and and he he beat him easily. So it's kind of like he redeemed himself. So he's back to that top status. It, he's a belt holder. At the end of the day, he's a belt holder, and he was on a hell of a run before he lost to Andy Ruiz. So it's just like he would be a logical step for Tyson Fury. Um, but I mean. 
the problem is, is it's what you think of Deontay Wilder, right? Because if, if right. you don't think much of Deontay Wilder, well, what made Tyson Fury a star is by beating Deontay Wilder. Well, I thought so, a lot of, I thought a lot of Deontay Wilder. Like, no, I know, yeah. but the the problem is, is he's done a lot of damage to his brand since, right. which I, that which is crazy to me that that they're fighting again because it was like people had given up on Deontay Wilder, and now all of a sudden they're going to fight, and it's going to be in Vegas. And it sounds like it's either going to be a T-Mobile Arena or a Raiders Stadium, and I think they should do Raiders Stadium. I mean, come on. Um, and Vegas is 100% open. So, but it's just wild to me that that fight was dead, and now it's, like, done, and they're going to fight again in a trilogy. So, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, uh, Wilder has a puncher's chance for sure. He, he hit him before, and he dropped him, so we'll yeah. see. But Tyson where he fought, set up, like, yeah. The Undertaker, right, when Fury, yeah. like, set up – yeah, it's, it's funny because, like, the thing that makes me like Deontay Wilder is the same reason I think he's not that – it's, like, the reason I, that I like him as a fighter, but also why I understand he isn't, like, a good – like, technically a good fighter. I just – I yeah. like I like that he's so unorthodox, and he just, like, throws these – his knockout power, but it doesn't look pretty at all. Like, it look yeah. – a lot of the, a lot of the fights that I'd seen him in, it didn't look like he hey, was – uh, Yeah, not a technical boxer at all, but he no. was finishing all these dudes. Like, no jab, no nothing, just these big – shots and they just go down but when you fight a dude like tyson fury he's gonna go in there and just just pick you apart with the jabs and the his movement and stuff i mean but the first fight was a lot of fun like i mean that 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 undertaker moment that i was just saying like that was and honestly even the second fight was fun i mean yeah it was it was uh tyson fury definitely better but i mean listen I, I don't say it's a 50-50 fight, but I still think Deontay Wilder, it's probably 60-40. Like, I think Deontay still Wilder close. still has a really good shot at winning. I don't I don't think that this is as one-sided as people think it's going to be. Um, and then, dude, okay, so now Triller has mm-hmm. lost Jake Paul. Jake Paul yeah. is signed with Showtime, so we're already done with that circus. And to me, you sign that fight – because Floyd Mayweather is with Showtime, and yeah. if you it's, so to me, you're getting Jake Paul and Floyd Mayweather. That's that's the next fight. I think Jake Paul might fight. Here's one that I want though, and this guy has been recently spotted at uh, Floyd Mayweather's training center. Vitor Belfort. Mm. I want Vitor Belfort versus Jake Paul. Uh, yeah. I mean, it really depends, though, right? Like on like where they do the fight and that stuff. I mean, because Vitor, there's two completely different versions of Vitor Belfort. I want TRT Vitor with the mullet and and the mullet mohawk and the whole thing. And I want him in Japan. (laughs) I don't, dude. Listen, in America, you can do whatever you want. You can. You. I mean, boxing is the most corrupt. Boxing is the most corrupt thing. (laughs) Like, I don't think it's any coincidence. That like Floyd takes time to announce fights when he can announce them way sooner. Like, like uh, there's certain times where he'll come out and announce it when he only has like a month and a half to build it up. When normally fights take like three months because I think Floyd's cycle is done. Like yeah. Floyd likes to talk about how he's the cleanest boxer and all this bullcrap. I think Floyd's been on roids for years, so. I uh, I think Floyd works extremely hard, and he's he's definitely uh, definitely uh, uh, one that just kills himself in the gym. 
But dude, and like the buildup for this Jake Paul, or I mean Logan Paul Floyd thing is the stupidest trash. Like they're really trying to make it out like Logan Paul is a serious contender. I'm just like guys, like come on, like this is this is embarrassing. This is like imagine if CM Punk had to fight Usman, like. And not only that, like Usman is gonna have to go in there and make it look like CM Punk can somewhat hang. Yeah, that's what this fight will be. Mm-hmm. Like Floyd might even let Logan win a couple of rounds. Like, wh- wh- what? What are we doing? And why are people paying for this? Yeah. Like I just I'm blown away by what's and then. They wanted to do Oscar De La Hoya and George St. Pierre. Do you yeah, think that yeah, the, the really Dana should have allowed that fight? I mean, I don't feel I don't think that Dana even has a say in it when they're like these fighters aren't even acting, but I know they're under contract. I get they're it. under contract, so they have to get his approval. No, I know. I'm just but I'm saying like GSP should have just been able to go buy. It's a different sport too. It's like it should be able to go buy. But don't you think that it hurts the brand if Oscar, De, a fifty-four-year-old Oscar De La Hoya, goes in there and smokes George St. Pierre? Oh sure, yeah. Like if I was, yeah. I mean, I understand why the UFC doesn't want to do it. I get that. But I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know, dude. Like I would, I would have to hope that GSP would would win. Like, but I know it's not his sport. I just. I mean, yeah, listen, I Oscar. Oscar was a bad man. Yeah, like, for sure. Oscar, Oscar could throw, but now he's he a tough. clown. Oh, he's a clown, a cokehead, and everything else. But that still might be good enough to beat George in just a straight up boxing match. I don't know. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so right. this is just getting goofy, though. It's just getting wacky. But honestly, I would rather see these guys do it in celebrity boxing than go to bare knuckle fighting. I think bare knuckle <laughs> fighting is just trash. <laughs> I hate it. And they take so much damage. And, like, I don't understand why you would leave MMA and after being beaten up and damaged. Because I promise you this is where Diego's probably going to end up. Yeah. And, and end up fighting this garbage. Like, where you're only going to get cut up. You're only going to get punched in the face with bare knuckles. Like They're throwing decent money at these guys, though. That's the problem. No, I know. I know. But they're throwing really good money in these celebrity boxing matches, you know? Oh, sure. But do they? a lot of them I don't think have the same. <laughs> well, I don't it – de- it depends on who you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, if, like Alan Belcher's not getting Jake Paul. Right, exactly. Like Alan Belcher, like I know who he is. Like he was – I liked him as a fighter. I'm like, I'll never forget him uh, when he beat Paul Harris. Like because yep. he was like going like lock for like lock with him and stuff. And I was like, oh, damn, like this guy's willing to play his game. This is sick. I remember fighting Akiyama. I think it was UFC 100. Like yep. I like I remember yeah, I remember Alan Belcher well. I remember his terrible Johnny Cash tattoo. Yeah, that's um, exactly what I was gonna say. Terrible um, Johnny Cash tattoo. But uh, but he 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 probably has I don't know how many followers he has on social media. It's probably not many. Right. Um. So like that's that's really what it comes down to with these celebrity, these like YouTube and TikTok boxing events and stuff. It's all, you know, they have the giant fan bases that are gonna follow them no matter what they're doing. But it's really easy to get them to buy fighting because it's like this fun thing to see if. Someone can knock out this other guy that you don't like from TikTok or whatever. So it's yeah, yeah. Lamar Odom and Aaron Carter with Chuck Liddell as a special guest referee. Like this is just this is just getting embarrassing. I'm gonna laugh so hard if Aaron Carter wins that too. Like that's the funniest thing in the world. God, I'm gonna actually watch that. How dare Um, you? 
How dare you? Aaron's party, come get it. Oh my god. You beat Shaq, dog. Great. Great. It's probably time to get out of here. We've been about three hours. And I'm yeah, we're now Shaq talking Aaron about Carter. Aaron Carter and Shaq and Lamar Odom and all that stuff. Have you seen Aaron Carter lately? He's got like that face tat and everything. Oh yeah, and he was doing like porn on OnlyFans, gay porn. So yeah, he's, he's he's doing really really well for himself. Oh, Aaron. He used to date Brooke Hogan. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he used to date uh, Hillary Duff. Yeah. What and, was the show? Liz McGuire. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now look at him. Good God. All right. Well, yeah, I think that's definitely a, a good place to stop. I don't think we we didn't we didn't we didn't really talk about HBK's documentary at all. If you want no, to go over that so. real quick, one thing I thought was yeah. yeah yeah one thing I thought that was really hilarious was is in the um, meetings right and they're going over the matches and he's got like Adam Cole, Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly, Tommaso Ciampa, and um, somebody else, and it's like of course those are Sean's guys. Like, of right. course, he's taking, like, the very best and, like, uh, Johnny Gargano. That's what yeah. it was. And it's, like, taking the very best and, like, teaching them up and everything like that. Like He's making them it, worse is what he's doing, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Not everything needs to be Shawn Michaels' Undertaker. Yeah, you know or I, mean? I am sorry, I love you moments in every – Yeah. Every, yeah. Yeah. Like, I thought, it was, I thought it worked really well with Gargano and Ciampa – but then, like when you're seeing it with everybody, it's kind of like okay, like let's let's tone it down a little bit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, um, I didn't know that he was such a cokehead. They explained like that was a little bit uh, shocking to uh, me. That's that, not like, surprising. That's all. I'm no, it's not surprising. But like for them to openly come out and say like, yeah, I did lines of coke. Didn't he call it Yayo? Yeah. I think he called it Yayo yeah on the show. He's like, yeah, I yeah. I saw that Yayo. Yeah. I was like, well, Shawn Michaels yeah. going, going back in the time machine. Yeah, well, and then um, seeing uh, Marty Jannetty on there too, I thought that was interesting and all that. But I mean, overall, a lot of it was from heartbreak and triumph. Exactly. A lot of it was stuff like that. So it wasn't, was anything, say, yeah. it wasn't anything that was like groundbreaking. But I did find it interesting to see his like role in NXT and stuff like that. And then like also like just man, seeing him just like do yoga and stretching and he's like bald head and it's just like, man, like God, time has flown by. Like he was he was like on Playgirl, right? And now he's mm-hmm. just like he did not age well. Let's just say that. Like eyes crossed just it's it's crazy. There is but, there is no there is no better way to prove that I'm old or getting older than showing me Shawn Michaels from when I started watching wrestling to showing Shawn Michaels what he looks like right now. Like that's yeah. like I wanted I wanted to be Shawn Michaels so bad when I was younger. Like, like yeah. he was like like I have long hair. Be now. careful what you wish for. Right. Like I have long hair now, but like I always I never did until I was older. But like when I was younger, I wanted because like I want to look like Shawn Michaels. Like I wanted to be a wrestler and like I want to do the flying elbow drop and the super kick and like the whole like uh, I wanted to be Shawn so bad when I was like a yeah. teenager. And now you see the dude and he like look like he it's almost unrecognizable. The dude's like looking in multiple directions and like his yep. hair is all gone and like he's all this patchy beard and like his teeth he's are all yellow. Yep, because he's been yeah. dipping like his whole life. Like just man. 
Yeah, he uh, but I'll never take I mean, one of the best in ring wrestlers ever, probably the best overall WWE wrestler ever. And but unfortunately, pretty much the entire documentary was all stuff that when like you said, it's either out of his book or I've heard him talk about another podcast. Well, we just we just watched the uh Shawn Michaels and Kevin Nash Untold as well, that they covered a lot of that too. So oh, I haven't watched like, that yet. Oh, you haven't watched that? It's good. It's good. Talks about how Sean brought in Kevin Nash, and it's both Sean and Kevin Nash talking about it. It's on the network. About how he saw him, how he saw Vinny Vegas on WCW, yep. and yeah. and how like Rick Steiner's the one that set him up. Like he he basically wanted to know like if the, if that guy would ever be available, and like Rick Steiner made a phone call, and then like Kevin Nash basically quit like that week and headed over there. So there you go. Pretty wild. So, all right, guys, we gave you three hours. Um, and keep in mind, I'm going to put down at the link at the bottom our discussion about Roman Reigns and Kenny Omega because um, that was from the chat from Tuesday that didn't survive. But we did get that segment in. Uh, appreciate you, everybody, tuning in. If you do like the content, please uh, like the video, subscribe, share, um, and, and spread the word. Like I said, there's guys that like still think that I haven't been making videos and I'm gone and all this stuff. So we just need to get people's attention to realize that I'm out here, I'm doing stuff, and uh, and uh, yeah, just spread the word. So I appreciate it, guys. And Steven's got nothing to plug, and he's just saying goodbye. So goodbye. <laughs>